Hey guys, and welcome back to the Skullcast for episode 19. Got the same three people as always, so here we go. Um, say hi so everyone knows your voice. This is Walter. Yeah, well, he's uh, Azila. And I'm Batman. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Griff. <laughs> Where are the drugs? <laughs> Swear to me. <laughs> Starting early. We did have some Batman uh, stuff to talk about later on once we get through it, but... We all seen it at this point. I saw it last night, late, and uh, we'll we'll get to that for sure. Oh boy, Olympics! That's something that's happening, right? People watch Olympics, yeah. don't they? Uh, huh? Yeah. Mm. Well, we people people do watch it. I don't know. Are you? Am I? Are you, are you guys actually into it? I, I kind of like it. I mean, it's the kind of stuff where I don't actually watch the sports at all until the Olympics start. Like, I don't give a shit about beach volleyball. Until the oh, yeah. And then until I'm like, you see the, uh, oh. you know, the girls' asses. And then, yeah. Well, beach volleyball? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm into it. Well, yeah, it's pretty much on all the time at our house. Like, it's down downstairs right now. It's just on perpetually, pretty much. Is uh, is your wife into it? Oh, yeah. I mean, she she's into it, I mean, about the same level as I am, where we're like, well, that, was, that, was, that was fun to watch. I have no yeah. really going on, but, you know. This is exciting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All of the commentators this year are pretty bad, but they're always yeah. bad. So you know, yeah, my is w- getting a lot of criticism. <laughs> I was going to say my wife's actually more into the Olympics than I am. She watches it uh, pretty much all day long. Whereas, uh, yeah, I'm not very interested. But I did watch uh, the you know uh, USA France uh, basketball match. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I watched like a third of it. How how many? Yeah. Did France score against the USA team? Yeah, uh, actually, actually, they didn't do bad. Uh, yeah, it was a it was bad. a good game. Yeah, yeah, it it wasn't too bad. But uh, yeah, I didn't watch the ending. But uh, I guess uh, yeah, the USA won. You know. <laughs> yeah. There, didn't like I think it was against Korea where they after the game they all like crowded around Kobe Kobe for like autographs. <laughs> oh yeah, he's very popular. <laughs> Sure he is. That that's never seemed fair since like the mid nineties when the dream team is just like really. I mean, it's not even a sport anymore. It's just like a steamrolling exercise, basically. Well, they lost in '04. Yeah, okay. I didn't even know. Yeah, that's what created the whole the urgency with the new team USA, where they have to be like actually kind of dedicated about it. It's really pathetic and sort of against like the Olympic ideal because it's like, oh, we we actually have to try. Because we lost, you know, that one year when we didn't, you know. <laughs> so, well, I think it's a, it's the same for the gym team, you know. Like before that, I think they lost to Russia or something like that. Uh, b- before that, it was just uh, students or something, and then because yeah. they were up against uh, professional players uh, from you know the other countries, they had, they actually decided to you know assemble some kind of yeah, the dream team indeed, and they just raped everything. Hmm. Yeah. With like Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, and Michael Jordan, that's that's the dream team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> like, don't even bother, guys. You know, you're gonna get fucked. <laughs> no, it was like you know, it was like literally like they would go out on the floor and like the other team, like they would they wanted autographs and things. Yeah. They were just starstruck. It was like yeah, and so and it was no competition. But it, what was interesting is that everyone credits that for really like bringing up the international game. Hmm. For like you know, just exposing like that level of like competition where every to where it is today, to where it is competitive, and to where like yeah, the a professional you know American team did lose hmm. to an international team. Yeah, I don't I don't know a lot of the history about it. I, I just I just grew up watching it like kind of on in the background. My my whole life, my family, oh my sister has always been into it, so I'll watch it every year. Uh, I actually like the Winter Olympics a little better personally, but. Hmm. 
Summer's cool, yeah. too. Um, well, that's pretty much all I've been doing. Oh, I actually know two Olympians that are in it. And by, and by no, I mean I've interviewed them because they live in my town. So also it's nice. kind, of, kind of cool following them, how they do. Although one of them is doing pretty terrible, but the other one's doing pretty awesome. So. <laughs> anyway, um, today our subject is the idea of evil. Um, and, you know, there's not a lot of on-screen time for the idea of evil. So we're going to see what we can do with the conversation. But as Griffith kind of mentioned in the pregame show here, it's always a factor when you're dealing with the God Hand or Apostles or the overarching story. It's always – you have to consider that as, as, as part of it. So it, it kind of has its hand in, in everything you see on the page to a certain extent. Uh, but, you know – but what do we actually know about the idea of evil? I want to just kind of start from ground zero as far as like when it's first introduced, how it's introduced. A large segment of what we know was cut out of the series, but, you know, it kind of still rests in all of our minds, of course. So let's start from scratch. Um, what do we actually know about the idea of evil? Um, the, we don't see it first. We hear it first. Uh, in volume 13, after Griffith makes a sacrifice – it's speaking to him about Behirits and shedding his final tear. And then, of course, the final page to that episode 82 is this giant, huge monster spread of the idea of evil, the giant heart. And it's a lot larger than it is than we see in the following episode, of course. That's one of my favorite pages of the whole series. Uh, I think someone had asked that in one of the questions for the threads was, what's your favorite like two-page spread or picture? It's got to be that's, – that's up there. Top five, top three for me is – the ending of episode 82, the two-page heart. So I don't know how you guys feel about that whole episode. I think it's pretty well, awesome. If you go to uh, asil.net, that's, uh, that's what shows up. So, yeah. Oh, that's right. That's the background for the page. Yeah, I, I do like it a lot. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, what's pretty cool about it is that, you know, aside from the whole imagery on the page, there's just this one bubble with just the word God on it. Mm. And, uh, yeah, it's what Griffiths, uh, yeah, he comes across it and, yeah, mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, this is God. Reading through that, uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about the larger concept as we get to them. I kind of wanted to start episode by episode. So um, I was reading through this yesterday, uh, that particular episode, and I was looking at how things are occurring. Well, what exactly is occurring to Griffith at this time? And it made me think about why he's here, why, why he was able to get to this spot, this unique spot in the universe where you're talking to a god and um i wondered if basically what did the sacrifice griffith made get him what did that sacrifice buy him it didn't necessarily grant him power it didn't necessarily become make him become femto but it gave him the opportunity to yeah i wonder if the sacrifice is basically kind of like a rite of passage to get him to where he needed to be to make this you know conversation and agree to the terms and all that kind of stuff, you know? So it's not like you sacrifice, you get power. It's you sacrifice. I wonder what the sacrifice actually does, you know, metaphysically and physically to, to get him to that point. There's this line that Griffith says, uh, when he's, he's witnessing the deaths of all the Hawks, you know, through him and he's seeing all the, you know, the visceral detail of what's happening on the surface. And he says, all their deaths are piercing through me is the, the wording for it. So it made me think about, um, What's actually happening to him his, in his soul is, is similar to what uh, uh, Ubik said? No, Comrade said about uh, a fissure opening your heart into which evil will search. I think it's basically shredding his humanity away. Well, 
Go ahead. Uh, you know, there's more than one aspect to it. Uh, there's, a, like you said, a metaphysical aspect where, you know, spiritually, he's, yeah, he, he made a choice. Like, he chose, you know, to let them go, to sacrifice them. And, and you know, he's going there. He's being summoned. He's, you know, getting down towards mm-hmm. the abyss. You know, because of that. But, you know, physically, there's also the fact uh, we see the blood as they are being, you know, torn apart. The blood is later on pumped. You know, Femto is basically created from the blood of, you know, all the ones he sacrificed. You know, we actually see there's a lack of blood uh, and it's pumped. You see the level of, you know, blood, you know, gets lower as it's all pumped towards the end. And uh, Femto himself. So, I think there's a yeah, there's a double purpose to it. Like there's the fact he sacrifices, and beyond that, they are being used not just uh, spiritually but also physically to you know create Femto. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, the, 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 I mean, I think like you say, there could be two different things happening here. What we're seeing below the surface, you could say, is the form of Femto being you know created. The full, they, you can say even the astral form, say, but the physical form is being constructed on the surface through the blood and all that kind of stuff as well. But yeah, speaking well beyond our actual knowledge here. And, and, I, and you know, actually, uh, I've got to interrupt because it's not really physically and uh, spiritually because, you know, at that point, Femto is a purely spiritual being. Right. He, he doesn't have a you know physical form. So I, I think it's more like, you know, Femto is being created like the soul, the very soul, the essence of Griffiths is being remolded into Femto. And his spirit, you know, is created as it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. It's like, it's, an, it's even deeper than just, you know, his astral form. Hmm. Hmm. And um, looking at episode 83, <laughs> the title of it is uh, God of the Abyss Part 2. When the idea of evil first introduces itself, it refers to itself uh, – there's the kanji, the main kanji, and then on the side, it's, it's interpreted as idea. But uh, the actual kanji translates to, as I recall, source of evil? Uh, yeah, actually, it's, uh, it's pretty specific. It's, uh, it's, it mirror modified the kanji. You know, mm. the, original one, uh, the original one means uh, origin. Mm. So it's a concept which is close to that of idea from you know the you know, Greek word, but he modified it by adding the word water, so it becomes a water source. So it's like the source from which flows evil. Right, and once again yeah. we have a uh, thematic water connection. Uh, yeah. In addition to the fact that it's in the abyss and it's pumping what looks like a liquid form of like evil, basically. And it's a heart, which deals with ventricles and blood. So many different levels where the, the water plays a role in, in, in all, what's building all the different parts of the Berserk universe. That's always fascinating to, to look, look at. But episode 83, you know, um, it's, it's a little controversial because it's, it's dealing with the framework for what sets up the entire story of the series. And yet Mira kind of pulls the rug out from under us and says – well, I don't really uh, think. I think we got, gave away a little too too much. I think it was that was the exact reason was it, it told a little too much too soon. But I yeah. think it had some extra reasons on top of that. We've talked about that before. How maybe he didn't nail the look of it right the first time. Maybe he was a little under pressure to make that work, and maybe he could do it better if he tried it a second time. So maybe that's also a factor. But yeah, well, 
at least you know as far as I'm concerned, I've always thought that uh, the final you know two page spread of uh, episode eighty two is way more impressive and uh, ominous than what we are shown in episode eighty three. Uh, I think because episode eighty three is very light, it's a uh, you know even psychedelic. I would say in the way it's represented, which is fitting for you know what's being shown that ocean of souls and and all. But I think I like the fact the idea of evil is shown being in you know in darkness you know to really like an abyss so yeah i, I think uh, as far as you know the you know representation of it uh, I, I don't really miss episode 83 in that regard mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, nice, it's nice to have that knowledge in the back of your head putting all the different pieces together for how the story goes i mean it's, yeah it really you know when that episode came out i kind of want to talk about that real quick as well but how we got our hands on it because uh, it's you know it's not it's not bound in the volumes. Uh, we didn't have it for a while, and we didn't have any real knowledge of it for a while. It was kind of like whispered about. Like I think Olivier was the first person to say that there's another episode out there, but even he didn't know the contents of it at the time because it wasn't in. This is like in late '90s, early 2000s. Even he didn't know it. But eventually, uh, an episode of it was sold on uh, eBay or Yahoo JP, and uh, whoever had gotten it had you know put it on the internet. And what we had initially were very, very, very blurry scans, so much so that we didn't even know it was the shape of a heart. The blurry shape initially looked like a giant open hand, as I recall. Like, it it didn't really look like anything, (laughs) the initial preview scan we got. And then, of course, we got the legitimate scans and, you know. But once we got the translation, Olivier translated it for us, and it made us kind of reevaluate what we knew about the series from, from, you know, the very first step, you know. It completely changed our understanding of how the story was framed. So it was a major, major thing. And, of course, newer Berserk fans, I wonder how they look at it because it's not something you would come across if you're just buying the Dark Horse volumes. And then to you know jump online and, and read what we're saying with the idea of evil, how do you think new fans should approach this concept? Do you think that it should be required reading? Like, or can hmm. Well, it's hard to say, but I think... Uh... I don't know if it's required reading. I I think it's good to know. It's good to to be aware of it. But I like to, you know, some people rely on it too much. I remember over the years seeing people who were really taking it very seriously and uh, coloring everything in the manga from it. And I think I don't think it's a right way to do it because if, for example, tomorrow something in the manga contradicts episode eighty three. Well, it's what's in the manga that should be taken as in being correct, not what's in the episode that was removed from the story. So I think it's good to know as some kind of background, as something that's maybe half canon, but it should remain, you know, yeah, people should keep in mind that it was removed from the story. Sure. The issue is, of course, that it hasn't been retconned yet. It hasn't been. Uh, yeah. But I mean, as you say, it could be at any moment because it was indeed removed from the official you know, releases. Sure, that could always happen. But yeah, and that's not just you know. I mean, not even just necessarily retconned, not completely modified or you know contradicted. But you know, if there are variations or such, you know, just something as simple as a variation, it should be you know, we shouldn't be I'd say too tight about it. Yeah. Um... But well, Griff, you haven't talked about episode eighty-three. What, you, I think you did something kind of special for the episode, as I recall. Oh well, I've got my I've got my printed copy of it right here with the 
uh, Olivier's translation right in front of me. And it's freaking awesome. Yeah. And uh, I I guess, I I mean, I'm not, I don't think I'm one of those people that takes it like too seriously. It's just, I would say though, that like, you know, yeah. When you say, is it required reading? I would say that it kind of is like, if you want to be like, you know, a completist, you know, just for the sake, because I mean, it was, it was, even though it was taken out, it did get printed. It was a part of it at the time. Yeah. And we don't know, like, I agree with what As said that, you know, if it's contradicted, you have to go with, you know, the newest information. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, for the time being, before it is, uh, you know, if it isn't contradicted or until it is, you know, it's a it's a neat resource. It gives you, you know, neat insight. And mm-hmm. it's full of, you know, you know, basically it's got the most information, like, about, you know, these deep questions about, you know, why, right. as far as the Berserk, you know, world goes than anything else. I was going to joke, you know, when you were talking about how it was removed, I was thinking, like, I, I hope he just, like, literally moves it to, like, you know, a future episode, like, literally, like, the end of an episode, Griffith will be like, I remember that time, and then the next episode <laughs> will just be episode 83, and it's like, it'll be like the homing episode to a, like, extreme degree, where it's like, yeah, I just decided to move it by, you know, two or three hundred issues, <laughs> but, uh, and he goes into Photoshop and removes, you know, 10 of the 35 light sources in that scene, too. That would be great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, one thing interesting about, like, the episode, it's, well, I was going to say about it being required reading, like, uh, you know, would you guys feel like, you know, you'd be sort of the complete fan you are without, like, having read it? No, for me, it definitely increased, I mean, my, my I guess my appetite for knowledge with the series. I mean, I, I've said before that, uh, volume 10, looking down to the the tower, uh, the bottom of the tower, was one of the first things that really made me extremely excited about Berserk. So when I found out that was a, a secret episode that told all the, the background for why the story is going in this direction and all the, the things about Griffith, yeah, of course, I'm extremely excited about it. So to me, yeah, it was, a, it was an important part for me becoming like an even more big Berserk fan. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think... Uh... There's a lot of information that you can guess, not not really guess, but you can infer or you, you can see if you're very careful and you think really hard about the story. You you can get a lot of stuff from the story. But, you know, when you know what's being said in episode 83, it really helps you put these, you know, all these dots together. Like, you know, I, I feel like a lot of the time, Mura, he, he, he distills some small stuff and he's like, he, he's hinting at it. So it's almost like a private joke, you know, like he's saying, yeah, I know you guys. I know you guys remember this. So <laughs> to, 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 me, to me, yeah, it, it really adds something. Like if you're a big fan, if you're, like you said, a completist or something, yeah, it, it's really worth reading. Because even though it's not to be taken to, you know, uh, it's not written in stone or anything, it's information that helps you understand or at least helps you see what Mira might have meant with some scenes. So, yeah, it's pretty important to me. Like, for example, it's simple stuff, but uh, in Volume 24, when Flora talks about uh, the Beherits and who their master is, she she says about the true masters of the Beherits. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, if you don't really understand the context, if you're not sure, whatever, you can miss it, but she's definitely referring to the Eid of Evil. And so, yeah, that's the kind of stuff you benefit from knowing about episode 83, you know, when you come across these references. Yeah. 
Go ahead, Griff. Oh, I was just going to say, as far as, like, a lost episode goes, like, you know, one that's been, you know, removed, it's like, you know, it's not like it's something, you know, where it's like, oh, the episode where Guts went to market, you know, or something. It's like, it's pretty <laughs> great as a lost, like, episode to find where it's like, oh, my God, it's got, yeah. like, the big answers. Right. <laughs> like, so I, I yeah. appreciate that status of it, that it's like, what an episode to remove. Mm. And that's also kind of why, like... I suspect that, like, the main reason it was removed was because it was too revealing and not that he's, like, whatever changes he makes, I don't think he's going to, I don't think they're going to be wholesale changes. It'll be, like, tweaks and improvements, but, like, this was obviously, like, a pretty big idea, you know, forgive the the pun, you know, yeah. that, that he had, <laughs> you know, right. for this. This was his, you know, this was sort of the what he came up with as, like, his big, you know, notion for what, <laughs> I'm trying to find synonyms <laughs> for idea. Sure. Of what well, was uh, that's what an was interesting be behind it all. That's an interesting concept. I actually haven't thought about if uh, if he'll readdress it in the same way. Like the, the, see, the way I've always figured it was, yeah, he probably agrees that you know he, he said too much too soon with the episode. But I mean, if he ever was to convey this kind of scene again, I, I just can't imagine it would be a conversation. I mean, I, I think as Azil said, there are so many different ways you can get a lot of this information Im- implicitly in scenes. You know, when Griffiths, yeah. Uh, he doesn't die, you know, even though he has a direct assassination multiple times and all this stuff. It's clear that he's, you know, been, you know, chosen to have a greater destiny, you know, basically. But I don't think it'll ever have that kind of conversation, that one-on-one, let's have a talk about the universe kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. There, probably, there, won't, there won't be, like, a, a context for that again, probably. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. The, the time, the moment, you know, that sort of moment has passed. Right. But that yep. doesn't mean that doesn't mean that kind of information can't still be conveyed by those with the knowledge. Like I would love there to be something, you know, with Void, for example, you know, a conduit, you could say. But not I, I can't I don't want the god of the essentially the god of the Berserk universe to be spouting out this stuff when it comes down to it in the end of the look, series. Look, kid, like this is how it works, you know, yeah. <laughs> coming from God, you know, he's got a cigarette, you know, like coming out of one of his uh his ventricles or something. <laughs> I was going to add to a little bit of what Azil said earlier about when Flora mentions it in volume 24. Uh, yeah. I, I wonder what readers think about that when she says, you know, the Bahirid's true master or it serves the will of its master and all that. I, I wonder how they'd read that scene if they had no knowledge of 83. Cause I mean, you don't know about the idea of evil really, if you don't have the episode, but the, the episodes before that kind of put you in the right place though. They yeah. keep focusing on the abyss, and you see that twice, two or three times before they get to that line about this, its true master, you know. And, and so, you know, Mira does it kind of his best at saying, yeah, there's a little more to going on here, you know, beneath the surface of the world, guys. But I wonder, readers that aren't familiar with it, how, how they, you know, can function with a line like that, right? If they can. Well, they would have to be pretty smart and, you know, to pay attention to things. So I don't think uh, too many people would get it. Mm. Yeah, but it's possible anyway. I mean, the thing is, yeah, you can get it without knowing about episode 83. You can. You just have to be, yeah, you just have to know the manga, you know, very well and to understand the reference and, you know, to to, to have a good translation and such because that's also a big deal. If, if you can read the original Japanese and such and, uh, yeah, I think it's uh, way easier to get it than if you've got some kind of shitty, you know, translation from, you know, I don't know what and... Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure even Dark Horse, you know, translated it correctly. I think they they messed up, if I remember correctly. 
Yeah, the volume 24 stuff has a couple lines where they kind of fudge, but it, it doesn't ruin it completely, but it's not exact. Um, kind of changing gears a little bit, you know, maybe some really astute readers can pick up on the existence of the idea of evil, but how does someone like Flora pick up on the existence of the idea of evil? Well, yeah. She doesn't She doesn't directly mention it. They actually almost leave it like she... I mean, she, like, alludes to it, but yeah, she doesn't even yeah. say anything, like, specific. Like, she... She says there doesn't she say like there there might be something there deeper in the abyss. She says yeah. perhaps somewhere deeper, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like so even she doesn't like, you know, and she's I mean, I'm assuming she's one of the foremost experts. So mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just like you say she alludes to it like she suspects there's something but like she said nobody, you know, went there and came back, so she she sure. doesn't have episode 83, so she doesn't know <laughs> <laughs> like see? Yeah. It's hard. Uh Actually, before we are we moving on from eighty three, because I kind of have a few other things to say. We're kind of all over the place. It's, it's, yeah, are we jumping around? Do whatever you want to do. That's cool. Or do as you will, chosen one. But uh, <laughs> I just wanted to mention well, a few things like uh, what As was saying earlier about how sort of that final image in God of the Abyss one that you get of uh, the idea, the first and the final image. Yeah, is is a lot more powerful than what you see in eighty three because it's like you know he. You know, it sort of reduces idea to like a character, you know, literally yeah. what you were saying, too, about the conversation with Griffith. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like it's interesting that that image is it's a very good image and powerful. And it, yeah, because it shows it in the darkness, whereas the next episode, 83, you know, is very light. Yep. And that well, can its also features, its features are obscured. You don't actually know you're looking at a heart, really. Yeah. yeah. You're not it sure. Giant thing in, in, in the deep darkness of the universe. Oh, yeah, and in an idea in that episode says, you know, that, you know, this references the surroundings as being darkness. Yeah. So it might also be that what you guys are saying earlier about maybe Mura didn't like the, you know, just didn't like that, you know, he had to draw it light so you could see things. He couldn't make a whole episode in the dark, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that, you know, I think what we're seeing there is like it's light, you know, just for our benefit of being able to see things, but they probably are in darkness. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. maybe, you know, that there's something about that. He didn't like, and that yeah. could be why it was removed because he, you know, that final image is more powerful of just, you know, this thing in the darkness, this obscure, you know, yeah, you know, I, God knows what, you know, in there. I, I agree. And I also think, you know, uh, it's a, it's a double, you know, a double page is a spread and it's, it's huge. You know, I, I, when I get when I look at this, I, I've got a feeling that it's it's huge. You know, you don't right. see Griffiths. You, you have no point of comparison. Yeah. So it's, it feels gigantic to me. It's like it's almost oppressive. But when you look at episode eighty three, you There's see, like it, yeah, it's it's floating. Long it's shots. It's like little looking sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's in the middle. But I mean, it's normal. It's in the middle of that ocean of souls, which is giant. But yeah, it, it makes it look less impressive. It's uh, so yeah. From that point of view, I also agree. I think it's a lot less impressive uh, looking like that. And uh, another thing I wanted to point out is something. And let me know if uh, Olivier's translation uh, isn't all it's cracked up to be. But uh, no, uh, he has a. He says how you know what you are seeing is a part of me, my core, mm-hmm. and look around you, and you know at everything else. So it's sort of, you know, even the heart itself isn't, you know, like that's sort of what we think of when we think of the idea of evil. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. you know, it's actually, it's like arguably, you know, I don't know where the abyss ends and it begins, you know, sort of like you guys think of it that way as well. Well, well it's it's tied down to something. 
You know, there are these, you know, double helix structures going down into something that we never see. Mm. The thing, yeah, honestly, the thing is, to me, it, it's always been pretty cryptic. Like, yeah, yeah, like you said, uh, you know, the idea of evil was created from, you know, that ocean of darkness. Well, in this case, it's not very dark, but you get the point <laughs> around it. So, yeah, the heart is a, uh, it's like some kind of representation of it. But is that all of what it is? Apparently not, from what it says. And yeah, the helix goes down. But it goes down to where? Because the idea of evil is supposed to be at the bottom of the abyss. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in a lot of ways, uh, in a lot of ways, if you, you know, get rid of that imagery, uh, just from the text and from what we know, just if you imagine, you have a lot more, I mean, the, the possibilities are almost endless. And yeah. in, that, in that sense, uh, episode 83, I feel, is, is a bit reductive. Like, it's limits the power of the imagination when it comes to the idea of evil. And that's why I think that, you know, regardless of how Mira will address this in the future, he, he'll never show it like that again. Like, not like that. I think yeah. that was his answer in our interview was it limited the possibilities, was it not? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In episode 83, uh, there's obviously this conversation happening, but Griffith throughout the whole thing is kind of a shredded imagery. You know, it, it made me think of, and tell me if you think this, guys, if you agree with this, it reminded me of when Shirk talks to Guts in volume 26 when she's retrieving him from the armor uh, and she encounters his ego. Yeah. Do you think it's a similar concept we're seeing? Is that Griffith's ego that's been... Yeah, of course. Kind of well, actually... Yeah. You know, earlier I talked about his soul, and uh, mm-hmm. th- that's the thing. You know, there's supposed to be, you know, three levels in Berserk. Well, I guess sometimes mm-hmm. it's, you know, hinted like that. And mm-hmm. yeah, so, you know, innermost one is the ego or the soul. And uh, I think that's what we're seeing here. It's uh, Griffith's he- ego. And it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's interesting that he's broken up in a way. Mm-hmm. And it's also interesting that it's what is, you know, rebuilt as Femto. To yeah. me, it, it shows that. Beyond just acquiring the power, you know, apostles acquire power, it modifies their spiritual self, and so, you know, their physical self is modified. But in the case of Griffiths, and uh, I imagine of the other members of the God Hand, you know, their very innermost being is reshaped as they wish it to be. And I, I think that's, that's a pretty big difference. Well, sure. what's interesting to me about it is not necessarily like that he's he's obviously you can see yeah like you said you described it as torn apart but also that like to me I think of it as like fluctuating yeah it's yeah he's like because yeah because yeah, he's like changing and moving and at the end of the episode before he says you know what he wants as he's saying it he solidifies and he looks and he's just him oh yeah and you can just yeah. see and it reminds me directly like you mentioned of guts when Shirka goes to see him it's the same thing when she brings him out. Mm. of the the berserker you know the flow the ode of the armor yeah and he and he sort of becomes himself again you know from that shredded fluctuating looking image it's very similar that's cool and, uh, i didn't think about that yeah before. so it's sort of interesting how like he solidifies like it's sort of you know in a way it's representative of how he's sort of like he's made up his mind mm-hmm. too and you know yeah. he's no longer this fluctuating thing he's now like it that's sort of the moment where he really you know, he like decides to become Femto and, you know, it's, it's done, you know, and you can mm-hmm. just see it. He's now solid and that's what he is. That's cool. Yeah. And of course, you know, the imagery we're seeing surrounding the entire scene is the vortex and the abyss or the, the abyss, the vortex above the abyss. Is that right? 
Yeah, well, it's, it's a bit hard to say because it's, you know, it's fluctuating in some kind of whirlpools endlessly. But yeah, it's a, uh, well, the abyss is supposed to be at the bottom of the vortex, essentially. Yeah. So right. yeah, I guess we're seeing, you know, a bit of both or who knows? Who knows? Honestly, yeah, we see the whirlpool. So I guess, yeah, it's a, it's a it, vortex. Yeah. So kind of whenever we see the vortex, we're kind of seeing the, uh, we see the vortex a lot more times than we see the idea of evil. So let's say when we see that, we're seeing a piece of it or, or, or its little yeah. nest, basically. So yeah, what do you yeah. what do you think? What do you think came first, chicken or the egg? Here, well, idea of evil or vortex? It's obviously the vortex. I mean, the, the idea of evil was born from uh, man, mm-hmm. and the vortex is a uh, you know some kind of I don't know how to say. There's this ocean of souls, mm-hmm. and the vortex is a part where the bad guys go. I guess the bad you know karma, the bad odd. Whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, so yeah, to me, it obviously, the vortex, the, the idea of evil was born from the vortex. Yeah, he says I was born from these swells. Right, yep, right, pretty much. I, I just, I just wonder if it, if the vortex was the way it was without, because the idea of evil is manipulating. You can see it being manipulated yeah. throughout the whole time. So I wonder how it's a, a factor in how the vortex is now. You know what I mean? Like the mm. vortex is kind of like an agent. You know, uh, or, or it's a it's a force or a power. Well, that... you know, to me, very simply, I think uh, the idea of evil is like the consciousness of a vortex. Like yeah, the vortex, he, he, he developed a consciousness. He de- he describes itself as the the ego. Yep, pretty it, much. So. Yeah, kind of like the avatar of that world, basically. Yeah, it's like you know, all that evil become became you know sentient. Yeah. Yeah, that's, you bring up the next section of what I was going to say was how did it get its start? And obviously we can't answer the specifics of it. <laughs> yeah. It was born from man, but do you think it was like called into being by an outside force? Like, for example, so something – maybe something that happened a thousand years ago? Or do you think it was something that simply because it's embedded itself or it embedded itself in uh, surrounding evil, it eventually is kind of retained consciousness or kind of became aware and uh, of all of the, the desires that was surrounding it for reasons. Yeah, I think it, it does give us the answer. It it responded. It was a response to a desire. I mean, the desire of you know the collective oh, consciousness of mankind. They they wanted reasons, and uh, it became sentient in order to give them these reasons. Hmm. Well, that's kind of open and shut. I thought that would be a much longer conversation. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I mean. Yeah, and do you think this is something that that happened? Uh, it's been going on for millions of years. Are the, are the God Hand a, a newer? Because they the God Hand serve the idea of evil, don't well, they? Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, to be honest, the way I see it personally, and that's not necessarily based on anything, but I think it took a, a very long time. It was done over many, many, many years that the idea of evil uh, came into consciousness, and then more recently, it started acting. At first, it Became, began mani- manipulating you know, causality and uh, then he, he started putting things into motion and creating uh, the good hand and such. And yeah, the good hand definitely serves the idea of evil. I mean, that's yeah. pretty obvious. Right. So yeah, uh, one other thing we didn't mention because we jumped right to uh, volume 24 was um, at volume 20, we do actually see mention by name of the idea of evil in that uh, Shadows of Idea. Uh, at the end of volume 20, the first uh, yeah. part episode, where it's talking about the, the mirroring effect of the uh, incarnation ceremony. Yep. Uh, the things that happen, the eclipse come again, and all three of those episodes are called the Shadows of Idea, which 
would be really strange and kind of uh, unreadable to those that weren't familiar with episode 83 because other than that, the term idea is not in Berserk. Well, you know, it's not necessarily even a, a reference to the idea of evil, but also to me it's a double reference to the fact uh, it refers to the idea of the eclipse. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, mm. this is a mirroring of the first, you know, occultation ceremony. And so it is a shadow of that, you know, ceremony. So a shadow of the idea of that ceremony. Much yeah. like, you know, you know, in the, you know, if you read the, you know, Greek, you know, mm-hmm. the concept of it, like there's a perfect tree and all trees in the world are imperfect variation of that perfect tree. Mm-hmm. So much like that, this is just a shadow of that original event. So mm-hmm. to me, there's a double reference there because, yeah, there's the, you can say, the influence of the idea of evil. In in many ways in these episodes, you can tell things are being manipulated and they're happening. It's like the culmination of many manipulations in order to recreate this, but in another way, it's a, yeah, a mirror of the original, so a shadow of that idea. Hmm. Yeah, I was thinking that when I was uh, reading up on this episode, because I was thinking like, you know, this could be, because there's not really a lot of direct ref, like you said, you'd be lost, you know, trying to relate this to the idea of evil, if you hadn't read 83, and we're just going by the name, because there really isn't a lot of, you know, not even as close as those, like, those Flora episodes, mm-hmm. in making sort of a direct reference to the idea of evil. Mm-hmm. It's all right. sort of, you know, it's all sort of just, yeah, pretty straightforward, like, the eclipse. And, you know, you could argue, obviously, ideas, fingerprints, you know, are all over that. But you, you still want to know that necessarily without 83. You so know, the, sort of, the, yeah. the, most, the most obvious thing to me, uh, the most obvious reference to the idea of evil in all of that is the very end of these episodes and the end of that volume. When you see the Beherit Apostle, oh, yeah. he's wandering and he comes across the demon child, you know. And, yeah, to, to me, that's when, that's, that's the part that, most clearly shows that you know things are being orchestrated from above because it's very I don't know it's almost a magical moment to me. It's like mm. wow, what yeah, what the fuck, man? The chance encounter, basically. Yeah. yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, because yeah, it's a it's a chance encounter, but it's definitely not a chance. And right, you, right. you can tell it all. It all makes sense, you know, when you see that. It's like when all all of it comes together. So mm-hmm. yeah, to me that's the most. Well, also, say? the brand in the entire town surrounding the hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pretty... Well, yeah. Every, I mean, everything is a uh, is, yeah. is pretty good. Yeah, there's a, but yeah, that that part is to me the most uh, clear and impressive uh, reference. How the fuck did it make the tower become a hand? That's some serious manipulation. <laughs> Well, actually, you know, I think it's pretty clever uh, how Mira did it. Like, you know, the tower half crumbling and such. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. I don't oh, know. it's gorgeous. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. These also, by the way, kind of a side note, uh, the last episode of this volume was the very first episode I started reading episodically, <laughs> which starts with Guts in the middle of the hand fighting uh, the uh, swell. So yeah, I was pretty fucking confused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Reading two or three volumes ahead of where I was already at. So yeah. Um, so 
are we in the position where we can transfer talk to about the future, uh, what the future may hold for IDEA? Um, well, yeah, sure. Yeah. It's, uh... Before we do that, I, I did want to say one thing, and I wanted to get one thing clear, is, Azil, you keep talking about the idea being the Greek term that, that Mira obviously based all of this on. Nail that down for listeners once and for all, because I've seen a lot of people, not just on my forum, but other places as well, Talking about it's the, that it's merely the concept of evil. Like, yeah, it, it can't. It came up with the concept of evil, and that's why everything's evil. Well, I, I'm not sure what you're asking, actually. Oh, you mean like he's basically like you're, you're getting into like the Plato's idea of you know forms. Yes. Yeah. yeah so. Wow. Yeah. So what? I think the... I think he already described it basically. Where when actually he described it when he was describing the the ceremony and the the shadow of the idea episodes. It's basically just you know the idea. He used the example of a tree. Yeah. You know, there's like the idea of a perfect well, tree. Yeah, but the thing is, uh, yeah, there's a reference, obvious, very obvious one, because it's not actually, uh, it's not idea. It's not the idea of evil. It's the idea of evil, because it's a Greek term. So we are actually, if we want it to be really, we should say the idea of evil. Mm-hmm. And I try to to speak it like that anyway. To pronounce so it like, like the Final Fantasy VIII film. Yeah, that's where I that's where I did my research for today. <laughs> I went to I went to that website, the idea of evil. <laughs> Listen to some good music and <laughs> and yeah and anyway uh, yeah so there's that reference but yeah uh, if you look at the kanji it it means the yeah the origin of evil the place from which evil flows so it's a bit I I don't think it we should be too strict about it like it's not like oh yeah it's obviously like that or anything yeah Mura mm-hmm. uses it as a reference but mm-hmm. like very often he. Just you know, I mean, he does his own thing, so yeah. it's it's not too much of a you know. We shouldn't be too strict about that. It's not written in stone, so yeah. And there's also the fact that it's uh, like we said previously, is a god uh, created by man, and so it was born from the evil which already existed uh, in men's uh, souls. So yeah, it's not. I don't know who to say. I like to think of it as evil. Having acquired uh, a conscience, uh, a sentience, mm-hmm. so it's like evil, the incarnation of evil, if you will. Mm. You know, the, the evil within mankind, mm-hmm. within uh, yeah, the collective, you know, consciousness of you know humanity, acquired a sentience, and so it's playing its own you know game, manipulating things uh, in order to fulfill it, its own goals. But yeah, it, it's not. Nothing's very clearly defined here, so we should we shouldn't be too strict about it. We we should you know keep an open mind. Sure. It's like I'm just thinking like, God, that's cryptic and esoteric. Like the whole thing, it makes me just yeah. wonder about Mira. <laughs> like what's yeah, he, no, what, mean, the game he's playing with us? <laughs> like the lost I, episode and all. I, I get it. I mean the concept. I mean it's it's not too hard to. I don't think it's too hard to grasp, but it it, it be, bears the question or begs the question. If that's the case, if that's the fundamental uh, underpinnings of the idea of evil, what's the end game for it? You know, if it's yeah. if it's about the essence of human of the, the dark side of human nature becoming sentient and manipulating his, you know people for thousands of years, what the hell do you do against that? 
Yeah, well, and actually, yeah, that's a good question. What's the, what is the goal? Because, you know, even the gold hand, yeah, they each have their own individual goals. But they also, we can tell from what's all of what is implied that they have a common goal, which is obviously, I mean, they're serving the idea of evil. So, but yeah, what is it? What do they want? They want everybody to be miserable or everybody to die or anything. We're not even sure. We're not certain. So it's still a big mystery for us. It's also why I say we should keep an open mind because we're not sure. What we can tell is that it's up to no good. Yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. It's up to no good. Even though, you know, we can, you know, Griffith is all there with his, you know, shining stuff and whatever. Yeah. In the end, it's going to be bad. It's going to be very bad. Well, how but, do you know that what Griffith's going to do isn't good for people? Huh? <laughs> well, it's yeah. Like, it's, you know, yeah. good stuff could happen. He seems like a nice guy. Maybe yeah, the idea of evil wants to reform into the idea of good. Yeah. <laughs> That's the you know, end. You know, as people always say, yeah, maybe Griffiths will betray the idea of evil and fight against the God Hand and, you know, eventually be rejoined. Hey, hey, like hey. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, so... Yeah, we don't really know. I, I, I don't know what its goal is, but, uh, yeah, I, I think we can, you know pretty you know certainly say it's going, it's going to, to be, be evil <laughs> yeah well yeah that's uh that's the one thing we're sure about yeah i remember you know contemplating that exact notion years and well, years and years ago go ahead azil as just one thing i want to say is actually it reminds me uh something i told uh some guys of forum recently it's that you know we should uh, also keep in mind what the word evil here means Yep. Because yeah, it's it's a word which in Japanese can also refer to magic power. Like not it's not just, you know, evil as a concept of evil and good. It also refers to, you know, power, magic power, you know, the power used by wizard or witch, and the power of apostles, the power used by the god hand. Even you know, a witch even the word witch in Japanese, you know, refers to it. So yeah, it refers to magic power. So we should keep that in mind. It's not just purely, you know, a moral, you know, point right. of view or anything. It also refers to an actual power. And, yeah, it, it's a, it makes me think uh, of uh, what we've talked about this in, in the past. The fact, you know, there might be a form of opposition between the power which is derived from uh, mankind, you know, mm-hmm. which is what is represented by the apostles, the God Hand and the Eid of Evil, and the power which uh, comes from you know, more elemental, you know, beings yeah. like, you know, the four elemental kings and, uh, you know, the Piskis and, you know, all these uh, astral creators. So there's an opposition and a very clear distinction between these two powers. And I wonder if that won't, you know, come into play later in the story. You can almost look at it as just like, an, you know, the same way evil from a societal standpoint is sort of the opposition of, you know, to society and its laws. Sort of, you know, a, a, an opposition to natural, the natural order of things. Yeah, like, right. You know, the yeah. natural magic. Even because even if the idea is just like trying to control sort of destiny, you know, the destiny yeah. of man. That's that's sort of an unnatural control, like a contrivance. Yeah, and you know, exactly. even yeah. And, and that's actually what's uh, being said in Volume Five. You know, when they said. Uh, you know, if, uh, you know, it's mankind's destiny that uh, they can't be, you know, uh, who to say, they can't control their own destiny and such. If it's a principle of, you know, nature that they can't, you know, control their destiny, maybe it's uh, causality that they would use, you know, evil to, you know, fight against it and such. So, 
Yeah, so yeah, yeah, it obviously refers to that. So I think it's an important thing to keep in mind that opposition between these two powers and what might eventually, you know, come from it. Hmm. Well, that was more interesting than I had hoped. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all I was going to say was years and years ago, trying to think of what the ultimate goal might be of it, and seeing as a thousand years ago a similar empire rose and fell, I, I thought long ago that its goal was merely to perpetuate like a rise and fall of, of humanity. Uh, but I, I think it's a much larger, grander goal than that. And yeah. what happened a thousand years ago could be seen as kind of a prototype or a failed experiment. Maybe. Even. Well, no, of course. I'll, t- I'll, I'll tell you what its end game is going to be. It's going to okay. get a dragon slayer slammed <laughs> right in the middle of its big eyeball-y heart. You know? Well, that, that already happened, right? We saw the ADV. Yeah, we pretty much saw that in the last yeah, volume in the Sea God. Yeah. The the fake idea. There's been a lot of like pseudo idea designs actually, including uh, Ganeshka's armor. <laughs> which was uh yeah, interesting. True. I don't remember that. You mean when he's His wearing... armor had eyeballs all over it. Like on every oh, it had like a bunch of tiny little uh, squares with eyeballs and he was, yeah. you know, he looked a little rotund in it. <laughs> it was Yeah. That's that's a motif you've seen a couple times around yeah. stuff as I recall. Yeah. On cushions uh, specifically they like eyes a lot. So Yeah. And also not eyes but the uh sort of like the pumps uh, were on uh oh, Ro- Roshin. Yeah, true. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, the right. same kind. But that's because, yeah, well, I can understand w- <laughs> why. Be- yeah, because in nature they, they look a bit the same. I, I think he might have uh, taken inspiration from uh, insects in order to design the ventricles of yeah. the of evil in the uh, in the first place. Yeah, I just think it's funny that we see that same, almost, almost the same exact design <laughs> with a heart with eyes on it. You know, looking in unison at something uh, to see that again. And, and, yeah. and a, a sea god is just well you know I, I don't think it's a it's even a coincidence you know I, I think he yeah. might have, he might have done it as a kind of uh, you know a wink you know yeah. in a way like oh, uh, hey guys yeah remember that I, one I, I just he's can't fucking see with us really. <laughs> <laughs> you know if, I, if, if I'm gonna look at that seriously like he, he actually did it with that intent like to I just can't see any correlation other than that so I mean maybe that maybe yeah. what it is so well, it's yeah, also yeah. If you wanna if you want to really overanalyze it and I do I don't <laughs> no you uh, <laughs> go ahead you can just look because the sea god is supposed to be like an even more ancient primordial form of like sort of like a natural evil creature yeah yeah well, like, I mean, maybe, you know, the same way it developed, you know, the idea of evil developed on a, you know, a great, a bigger level. And you can look at, you know, it, you know, its core is a heart the same way the core of the sea god was that heart. You know, just the way its tentacles go into the entire world, you know, and this is getting really <laughs> lame. But, wow. uh, but just, you know, you can just look at the same way, like, maybe, it, you know, they formed similarly, just obviously the idea of evil on a much, much bigger level. Right, well, it's like a control in an experiment or something like that. Yeah, I'm going I mean, to I don't say, think I don't think there's a direct connection between the two like <laughs> that. I'm just saying, if you want to, you know, sort of analyze it like you know, like evolution in you know su- the supernatural world of Berserk, like how it could work. Yeah, I think he just wanted to design a monstrous heart, and uh, yeah, he was like, oh well, I'll just use that one. That's what I think as well, but yeah. again, whenever the episode was coming out, I remember waving my arm saying that they, they look like human eyes, although we never really got an answer to that as far as why they looked like human eyes, but yeah. oh well, you know. 
Well, you know, it's not, yeah, they are, it's because they're round, but it doesn't really mean much. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I know. I don't, I don't think it means much. Yeah. Uh, well, is there more? There's obviously more, but do we well, have uh, what, you want to, I guess, future? Yeah, well, I guess we, well, I guess that's sort of the end game. We talked about that, but I mean, I guess the, as far as his future and the, his, like he's got a gender, but the idea of evil's future. Yeah, down below, you can barely see that long twist. It's got two. <laughs> they twist around. My God. But uh, as far as its future, you know, in the series, I guess it depends on why you think uh, Mira removed that episode. And to me, like what we were talking about earlier, my hunch, this is just all my opinion, is that he probably removed it for like the reasons you were talking about, just the, you know, the conversation and the imagery. Like, you know, he didn't like something about it to take it out, like whether it revealed too much too soon or whatever. But there was it was enough where he was like, "Ah, I don't want that in there anymore. He's never done that, you know, anywhere else other than in like panels and stuff. So my hunch is that I feel like the content is probably still going to, for the most part, be valid and that, you know, the the ideas in the episode are, you know, you can pretty, you you know, they're going to hold true. But that I think he just didn't like maybe the visuals. Like he wanted to, you know, and he got rid of the mystery, mm-hmm. you know, and then it was just he felt it was better leaving it off that way. So I do feel like that kind of information, and as we were saying earlier, you know, could still be conveyed, but without breaking sort of that mystery surrounding the idea and leaving a bigness. Like I was, you know, when we were talking about this before, I was even thinking, like, I wonder if he took it out on purpose just to have like a really significant lost episode. But obviously, I don't think he would have had, like, the foresight, like, to know that it would – because then only, like, ten guys in Japan would know about it. You know, he wouldn't have known that the internet would uh, – that it would sort of spread like that. Yeah. So, you know, that wouldn't have been the case. But it's interesting how it's worked out where it's like you can kind of have it both ways where, it you know, you have it, but it also doesn't really count. Yep. Sure. Okay, I rambled too long as you guys <laughs> – we just left out in the cold like, oh, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Mm, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I mean, to go back to what could happen with the end game, <clears throat> it does have a form of a kind in the abyss. And I don't mean physical form. I mean, there is a form. And I wonder if that'll come into play. That's about it. That's all I have yeah. to say about that. You, you yeah. wonder if it's going to be stabbed in the heart. That's right. That's exactly what I mean. Oh, I mean, yeah. Guts, with- Guts is going to jump in the ocean like super dive bomb, dragon slayer downward. All the way down to the part, it's going to go through it, and that's going to be it. And then there's going to be some uh, tension where it's like, can he make it back in time? Is he going to live? He'll just like end up like he'll be on the beach or something. He'll just wake up, you know, (laughs) like in the ocean once again. He's going to end just like in, you know, Echo, you know, the you know PlayStation Two game. Yeah, like he's going to wake up. Oh God, no! no, no, He's going to arrive on the beach and at the you know in the background. Watermelons. It's going. It's going to be Casca, you know, and the end. On a on a scale of serious question, on a scale of like one to a million, how excited would you be if like there was going to be a return to the abyss where we're going to get to see like you know what my you know Mira's new interpretation of what that would look like going into the abyss and seeing idea? How excited would you be for that? From one to a million? Yeah. Nine 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 nine. I guess I'm just gonna make it a million. I'm just reserving yeah. that one point in case you know for something else. So. <laughs> I- I would be pretty excited, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it will. I don't think we've seen the I don't think we've seen the last of this concept, obviously. I think it's going to come oh, no. again, you know. And, and how it does, I don't know. I, I keep my mind throughout this whole conversation keeps coming back to the tree. The trouble wow. is I have absolutely nothing to add to that. Oh, yeah. And, gee, oh, yeah. I wonder what that tree's all about. Sir is kind of suspicious, you know. Yeah. Don't forget what Mira said about uh, seeing more of the good end soon. So yeah, I think I think we'll see soon enough. And you know, just saying, but we recently got three episodes about you know Guts youth and uh, Gambino and such. So you know, yeah, nothing's uh, off limits. I think. Sure. Yeah. Oh man, you're getting me excited again. <laughs> so I guess that'll calling into it you know this is the kind of subject where if we we could probably re- prepare a prepare a detailed report of it but it, as far as the conversations go i think we'd be talking in circles a lot because there's so much we don't know the subject similar to like talking about having a whole podcast about void it's difficult to just keep on going on about the you know the tiny scraps of information that we can go on without yeah. sounding like we're it you know just making shit up basically so bear that in mind <laughs> <laughs> it's a subject we're very passionate about. Uh, and actually, as I recall, the idea of evil made an appearance on the forum at one point. That was pretty crazy. <laughs> Started doing like a Q&A kind of thing with our members. That was very that was very nice of it. I thought that was fun, fun stuff. I'll link to that in the thread if you guys have not seen that. I'll have to go find it. But yeah, that'll do it for now. Um, and we will move on. I did prepare, but again... Most of my notes were about Batman. <laughs> Last night, while I was making all my notes for the show, I, my mind kept coming back to the movie. I, I just—I I was up till uh, I guess like one night, one a.m. last night for the sewing, and so I could not go to sleep. I just kept up thinking about things I could say about the movie. So I saw Batman last night. Kind of a given right now, but um, you guys have all seen it at this point. So beware anyone who has not seen Dark Knight uh, Rises. There will be spoilers abundant. So. Fast forward, I'll give you a time. So so I liked it. I mean, long and short of it, it was good. It was not the best of the trilogy. I, I think Batman Begins is still my favorite of the three. Ugh. What? Yeah. Oh, seriously. my God. <laughs> I don't like that. I, I, I never liked Dark Knight. Uh, How many times the, have you seen The Dark Knight? The Dark Knight? Uh, yeah. One. In 2008. How many times have well, you seen Watch it again. Okay. <laughs> I will. But, uh, many- yeah. Off the top of my head, I, I, mean, I had more positive emotions associated with Begins. It had to do with the first hour of the movie. I didn't no, even yeah, that's, that's care the problem, for the last my problem with it. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, the, the la- yeah, there's some embarrassing, stupid shit, no doubt. Later on in that movie, but I love the build up to when he finally takes this, the the costume. That's amazing, uh, and, and we got a little bit of that again in in the third the third movie, which is you know the parts that I liked about it. <laughs> um, Bane, freaking fantastic. Up until a certain point. And man, if it did not kind of ruin that part of the character for me. Well, let's just uh, let's just talk about it. You know, spoiler alert has been given. Yeah. So Bane's fantastic on screen. Great uh, gravitas, charisma on screen. Mm-hmm. Even when he's dishing out his master plan in the montage speech, he's got <laughs> personality. He's sort of like rolling his eyes as he's saying... Take back your city. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't sound very sincere even. All. You know, that's also why I really enjoyed his character. And, I mean, kind of jumping in head first, my favorite scene of the entire movie was the first fight between Bane. Yeah. That was 
fucking visceral. I mean, wow. I was very impressed with it. Although the back, the back felt a little ceremonial like or, or unceremonious, I should say. Like, just like, yeah, we got to do this. We got to get this out of the way because it's in the comics. So, yeah, you broke your back. So. Well, I feel like that was a nice because uh, you know they didn't have to do that and yeah like his back wasn't really like broken broken but I I thought it was nice that they threw it in yeah yeah well, I liked it it was nice you know a nice touch yeah man but it, I, yeah I'll put, let me put it in this context for you uh, watching the trailers for it I I saw the scene where Batman's kind of like in a straightaway with Bane and Bane has like his hands on his uh, looking very smug <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, a sense of dread because I knew that was the scene where he's going to get his ass kicked. And when the scene started in the movie, that same dread came back, and I was like, "Wow!" So I was actually really into it. And in addition to that, it's just a fantastic looking fight. Everything that happens there, visually, even choreography, and it's emotional. So yeah, Bane has some good lines in there. They they managed to get the break you line in there. It's not when he breaks his back. Yeah, but yeah. you know he mentions it, and they also has the physic. You know whether you would break physically or mentally first. And I also appreciate the sort of the desperation on old uh, Bateman, <laughs> Bateman's part there, when he does the you know, oh! <laughs> and tries to <laughs> tries to you know get in and just gets totally denied. You know, he gets he gets some blows in there, but just doesn't you know hurt Bane at all. I think Bane has a line early on where I I, I couldn't hear exactly what he said to start it, but it was a good line where he just says how like you know like. You know, age has you know tapped your strength or something. You know, it says you know it's just one of those cute little ah uh, uh, yeah round. Yeah, see- Victory has defeated you. You know, like <laughs> something like that. You know, because he's you know he's become old and like you know he's, I he's able he, to rest. He tells him, "Oh, you fight like a young man. Uh, good, oh, yeah. but you shouldn't be. That's unwise." <laughs> I think he tells him that's unwise or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. That's what he says later. First, he tells him, you know, like something like age has taken his. You know, he doesn't have his strength anymore because he's, you know, he's been resting and he's gotten older. You know, it basically tells him, you know, like victory beat you. You know, because you know you, you you're not in the ah uh, yeah yeah right yeah yeah right. you're not in shape. You know, for you can't you can't handle me. And then at the end, you know, when he's like, he just jumps on him screaming, you know, for his last gasp. And that's when Bane sort of pays him the compliment, you know, yeah, you fight like a younger man, you know, it's admirable, but it's a mistake, you know, <laughs> like it's not going to get you far because Bane is just totally in control. And yeah, and that, that's another thing about his personality is what I like is that he, yeah, he's utterly just smug the entire movie, basically, just like, you know, he's got it, he's got it locked down. Nothing's really going to ruin his day, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Traipses through scenes, you know. Um, but yeah, that scene was very per- particularly painful to watch. For, of course, it's supposed to be, you know. The trouble is the movie kind of just like uh, sort of dies after that to me because I didn't care after that point. Because <laughs> even though Batman had fallen, you knew he was ultimately going to get up. And to me, the the part where he finally rises, it was like they were cashing checks when they had no money in the bank. Like it did not was not emotional to me at all when he finally was able to crawl out of the stupid pit, which is a little unreal to begin with. But it just didn't. It left no emotional hit on me at all. Like I just did not hmm. care. Really? Well, I mean, that was the that was the emotional climax of the movie for me was the fight, and then it was just kind of downhill from there. Well, I, the fight was definitely like the best scene, but uh, I still enjoyed the rest of the movie. Like it, it wasn't like dead for me. Like, damn man, that's like two hours. You were <laughs> you were waiting for the movie to be over. I'm surprised you liked it so much. Well, so I mean, yeah, I, I enjoyed the ride, but okay, well, let's talk about the problems before we get into how great it was. So, I don't care for the bomb plot. That just seems like well, you gotta have. Some- <laughs> 
some kind of action sequence that involves trucks and explosions and planes. Or had the MacGuffin be the bomb, have the bomb chasing throughout the city. Like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It was just it seemed really contrived for one to have a giant a bomb that Batman has to go defuse. Like, yeah, we've seen this kind of scenario before. It just didn't seem very unique at all. And I, I didn't care about the characters that were involved at that point because Bane had already become a pussy, basically, and been shot by. Yeah, that was the that's the disappointing turn. He goes from Darth Vader to prequel Anakin in one turn, and it's like, oh no, <laughs> no Bane. Give up after a certain point. Like after you know, Batman exposes his weakness. Uh, that's it for him, basically, and he's completely well, different. The... Also, the funny thing about his weakness is I feel like, you know, Batman didn't really get that. You know, he did push-ups and chin-ups and everything and climbed out of the hole. <laughs> but it's like he shouldn't have been that much better a fighter. And I feel like he could have broken the mask in the first fight and, you know, actually won. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that whole, the whole premise <laughs> of the whole thing is stupid. Like, he went into this fight with this guy he knew. He was super burly and fast. Without really any real training after be hanging it up for eight years and being on a cane a week earlier. And then he's like, yeah, I'll just take you down. Sure, I'm better than I you. Actually, I actually like that aspect of it, though. Just the fact that he, yeah. like, instead of it being like, I've got to be a symbol for Gotham. Oh, you know, this, where he's, he's trying to be the idea of, you know, good, this ideal. He wanted to be Batman. You know, and Alfred called him out on it, you know, and just telling him, you know, you're not that guy anymore. And he kept saying, like, oh, they need me. I need to stop Bane. But it was really about, you know, he wanted to, you know, go out on the bat pod again, well, wear the suit. You know, I also think it's uh, the part that was very clearly inspired from uh, The Dark Knight Returns. Like, yeah. when he first goes against uh, the giant guy and he gets just beaten the fuck up because he just can't go pure physical strength uh, anymore and win. But, uh, yeah, I... You know, what doesn't really make sense to me is, okay, he can't walk because he has no cartilage and such. And so he uses a lot of gizmos to be able to walk and fight. And so he goes there, he gets his ass handed to him. Then the guy breaks his back or, yeah, and <laughs> that damages it. And just by sheer force of will, he just starts doing push-ups and that's it. He's cured. And he's even, you know, better than before. Well, he so, was he was in there for six months, so that's plenty yeah. of time to train, right? I mean, that's just ridiculous. I, it didn't, you know, uh, what to say, it didn't spoil the movie for me, but it's just retarded, so yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I thought this one was the most entertaining is just like a pure conventional, like, action movie standpoint. Like, it, and on that front, it, it went above and beyond, like with the city getting taken over. Yeah. Like as a as like a pure Batman movie, I didn't like think it was uh, that was the best thing, like the way they handled it all. But as you know, just as an entertainment with Batman in it, a Batman movie, like yeah. I thought it was neat. Sort of like as a I look at it almost like a side story. Like I'm a big booster on the Dark Knight, just standing alone. Not no begins is out of there <laughs> in my book. Well, more more than the other movies to me, every scene with Batman on screen was extremely exciting for me. Yeah. Whenever he's, you know, in his suit, music scoring, fantastic summer, hits all the right notes for a summer movie, basically. Yeah. yeah. It did not yeah. feel like a Batman movie in the scenes where he was not in it. Because, I mean, the, the, the odds are, you know, the, the odds have to be against the hero for it to be exciting. I understand that. But when the entire institution turns against you and the city has been destroyed and all the bridges are out and there's armies of people and there's three tanks and there's all this shit. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. A little ridiculous here. This guy in a fucking costume. It feels like he already lost, really. Like, he's sort of fighting a lost cause. Like, it's like the city's been, you know, just destroyed to the point where it's like, the only thing is redeemable is like, well, at least a nuclear bomb didn't blow the place up. You know, like, that was, you know, he was still sort of winning on a curve. 
Yeah. Yeah. I just think like, Nolan went a little over the top with the opposition, with the actual like thing he had to overcome. I mean, obviously it worked out in the end, kind of bullshit, but you know. Uh, well, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, thinking about you know when the Dark Knight is on screen, one of the scenes I really enjoyed is when he first comes out. He's on the motorbike. He's uh, pursuing the guys, you know, after they just, uh, you know, robbed or whatever the trading place. And as he arrives, the lights are cut off, you know. Yeah. 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 Uh, that, that was pretty cool to me. I mean, I'm not going to say that was the coolest part of the movie, but uh, it was pretty. It's like, wow, okay, now it's great. Now, it, yeah. now it's happening. You're talking about the, um, wait, which which part with the lights? With the, when he's on the bike? Yeah, yeah when, when he first, the bike. Uh, yeah. The lights come off as he's, you yeah. know, going forward, you know, like there's, I don't know, like, you know, 200 meters on each side of him where there's no lights when he just, you know, follows the guys. And speaking of the Dark Knight Returns, that's where, like, the old cop realizes, you know, that, you know, he has the line, you know, you're in for a show tonight. It's almost line for line. Yeah, because yeah, he, he realizes, you know, he knows what's up, whereas, like, I guess they have, like, the young rookie that's like, well, what is this? You know? like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, I was actually kind of confused at that point because – oh, not, actually, earlier than that I was confused because the way the movie starts with, with you know Bruce already on a cane, I assumed we were seeing a flash forward and that Bane had secretly already broken Batman. And oh, it was like really? fighting for a while. Yeah, I was confused about how it actually – I thought they were going to flash back to that fight with him or something like that. Like he oh, was no. still – Biding his time yeah. under the sea or something like that. But well, I was I was actually disappointed that they sort of you know in a way they kind of crapped on the ending of the Dark Knight for me, and that he retired right after that because to me part of the point was that it like solved this problem of you know he didn't kill and so criminals you know knew that and were no longer afraid of him, right? And uh, and also like an oppositional a semi oppositional like role with the police where you'd have to meet with Gordon in secret again and. You know, that sort of thing that, you know, every once in a while, Batman he finds himself in those kind of situations. And so it sort of ruined it for me when it was like, oh, well, no, he just retired. Mm-hmm. And it also made his career in these three movies like very small. Like he was Batman for like not that long a period of time. Yeah, right. yeah, I agree. I actually, I liked what they did. The fact he retired and uh, he took the fall for Dent and such. But well, I yeah. like I like that, but I don't like that he like it was like directly after. Like I would have rather it been like ten years later and maybe you know for five years of that or, or at least a couple more years he had still been Batman. Yeah, well, but the thing you know the part I agree with is that he he was Batman for a very short time, and so it's hard for me to. I mean, it doesn't seem very. You know how to say not yours that people would miss him. They're like, oh, the Batman, the Batman. Yeah, he was just there, like you said, not even a decade. So I don't know. It's not like he would have been there for thirty-five years and then he went off. You know that that's not yeah. the same thing. So yeah, from that point of view, I feel they could have done something a bit more realistic. That's another reason also, why. I... Oh, go on. Also, when you when you have the power to arrest all mobsters, all crime goes away. Monsters <laughs> yes. are the source of all crime. Yeah, yeah, that's a bit yeah, simplistic. Yeah, true. <laughs> oh well, you know what? All of its actual ideas were like simplistic. Just like I was, you, the the trailers make it look like it's going to be this really like political, like lefty movie about like rich people and Occupy Wall Street Fritz, and you know, Prince slang man. Yeah, it's going to be <laughs> yeah, it's a new scene. Yeah, and it's gonna, <laughs> you know, it's going to be this super political movie about like you know class warfare and the ninety nine percent. And that was just all bullshit. So well, it was both, just background noise. It wasn't complete bullshit because both the marketing 
and Bane ride that as like, you know, their wave. Yeah, to, to, but to I have mean, an impact, you know. It was just a it was like a plot device. Oh, absolutely. It was yeah. it was there was no yeah. well, unless you believe like it's the the conservative wet dream movie, you know, like love letter, <laughs> you know, against what? those things where ba- occupy people are all Bane. <laughs> like I I think uh, the what I took away from their argument about that whole, you know, people rise up thing was just basically making fun of the whole concept. But basically saying like, yeah, people are basically just animals if if you leave them to themselves. Honestly, you know? it seemed like bullshit to me. And actually, I don't find it very, you know, I mean, it's not realistic at all. Like, you know, sure. there's, there's Bane. He just cuts off the city, you know, he kills, he destroys the stadium. And he says there's a bomb that's going to blow off. Then he goes to the fucking, you know, county jail and he says, okay, I'm going to release all the criminals. And we are supposed to believe the people that, you know, standard citizens are like, oh, yeah, sure. Oh, Dent was a sham. Oh, fuck, yeah, yeah, just release mm-hmm. all the criminals. Yeah, it doesn't make any fucking sense. I mean, it's not realistic at all. And I, well, I thought that that was a bit, I don't know, a bit cheap. Well, the reason that didn't bother me was because I felt that was all sort of like a lie anyway. It was all sort of symbolic. Like, that's what Bane wanted on the TV. He wanted that, like, he wanted to be pushing that idea. He was sort of like a dictator where it's like they're always, you know, like, I won 101% of the vote, you know, and everyone's mm-hmm. behind me. Yeah. That yeah, sort of yeah, thing. And, but like what was really going on is he just, he had his like, he had, you know, like it was like what he said about how a normal citizen has the, the detonator and, you know, like, you know, he had all his goons, he had ringers at every turn controlling the city so that yeah. no one had a choice. Yeah. Anyway, you know, he, he was just sort of making it like the illusion of like, Oh, this is Gotham tearing itself apart. This is how bad it is. And, you know, it was all part of that League of Shadows, you know, sort of crap. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's it's bullshit. But, like, it worked for me for, like, just as an action movie, like, as a cover for that. But, yeah, it doesn't, like, if that was supposed to be, like, a real message there, which I don't think it was because the last movie was really idealistic about, you know, how people would behave. You know, they uh-huh. wouldn't just kill each other as the Joker expected. Yeah. So I think I think the point was that Bane was just manipulating the situation from the top down, like from his message on down to like what was happening in the streets. He was really controlling everything. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Well, you know, even though he wasn't really controlling anything, he was just being, you know, well, the question, the, the question was how, how, you know, why would how does he know like one of the criminals he lets out of the jail and gives a machine gun to just doesn't shoot him in the back? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, thinking the same know, thing. Because it's like, like right you know, how does moment. he control them? Yeah, like, you know, he's, I guess he just is confident, you know, he's not worried about it. But yeah, and yeah. as you alluded to just there, as he wasn't really in control of everything, because it was the daughter of Ra's al Ghul that everyone saw coming from her <sighs> casting. And yeah. and her whole motive, like, I hated my father until you murdered him and now I'm getting revenge. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, you didn't <laughs> care until he got killed? And he, you know, he didn't even murder him. Like, he got killed trying to do his evil plot. You know, it's like so, too bad. You know, don't be such yeah, a crybaby. Your dad did. I didn't murder your dad. Your dad. Your dad died in a train wreck. Yeah, you know, and all this <laughs> stuff about. Wait a minute, you're getting high and mighty on me about murdering your dad. You're gonna murder everyone in the city. What do you care? <laughs> like, goddamn, and you hated him. Like, I hated him because oh, and the whole thing where it's like Bane. He could not accept Bane because he, he was, was a, just a freak. It's like he seemed pretty pragmatic to me before. I don't think he would have cared. <laughs> like or Yeah. I don't yeah. know. It was just that that all that was just mumbo jumbo. Like and that was that's what I didn't like about Batman Begins too, at least in part. Like all the sort of like you're you must master your fear. <laughs> and you know, it's just like, okay, 
I appreciated that the Dark Knight didn't have any of that. It was really it's weird how the first the first and the last movie really go together and the second one kind of stands out as different. I think part of that is probably because Heath Ledger died and so like I think this movie yeah. would have obviously had the Joker in it to a large degree if, you know, if everything had gone as planned. I would like to know what the original plan was. I mean, I don't necessarily have to see that movie, but I, I'm just yeah. curious about the general concept of what he had planned for the third one. If well, he even had. Considering he even brought back, you know, fucking Crane again yeah, in a nice yeah. little cameo. Right. Like, that was, I, I, I love the set design for that scene. Really cool. Yeah. Like, piled on top of paper everywhere. That was, was really cool looking. Yeah. You know, yeah. I like about the movie and talking about it just working as sort of a conventional like f- people were saying it was going to be depressing and some early reviews were complaining like, oh, it falls under the weight of its pretensions. I actually thought it was like a very like even to the title, it's sort of this feel good, you know, uh, up against yeah. the uh, overcoming the odds movie that basically the plot is from Rocky three. <laughs> Even yeah. the, the the theme of fear <laughs> and overcoming it, you know, I can just hear Stallone. I'm afraid, okay, <laughs> like you know, where he gets beaten the first time and he comes back and he wins, you know, the second fight. It was very yeah. similar to that and had, you know, it it was the same feel good sort of story and it just kept going. Where you know Talia Al Ghul was going to blow the city up, but no one ever thought that was going to happen. And it was just moments for Batman to sort of chew the scenery and be a great guy, like. I'm going to get this bomb out of here, you know, no matter what, <laughs> like, you know, and Catwoman with her. Can I talk about Catwoman real quick? Like yeah. I, I thought Anne Hathaway did a good job as Catwoman, you know, about as good as could, as she could do. And it was fine. But Bruce Wayne, what is wrong with this guy? She, she basically was responsible for him yeah. going broke. Bill, he was a billionaire. So it's not like he only had like $10,000 saved up. And then, you know, gets his back broken and thrown in jail for six months. Because of her. Yeah, because of her. This is all – she is, you know, directly responsible for all these things or at least, you know, in very closely, you know, responsible, you know, indirectly. And he just comes back and sees her again and he's smiling and like, hey, you know. He says, here's a thing you were looking for. (laughs) Yeah, if you want it, you got to help me and I know you're a good person deep down. It's like, you know, and it's like, you know, really you should hate her fucking guts. It's like there at least needs to be a little, you know, like coldness here and like maybe you need her. So it's like, I'll help you, you help me. But it was like water under the bridge and he's joking and she was like still being like a bitch to him too. Yeah. And it was like, she's like, oh, I'm not going to say sorry. And he's like, oh, I didn't expect you to. Okay, great. Yeah, well, you're a real nice guy, Batman. It's like, you're Jesus Christ. It's like, I I think that's just showing, to me, that's just a part of Bruce Wayne. You know, he's, I don't think he ever really cared about his wealth to begin with. So him losing it to her, that's one thing. But he also knew that she was sentimental. I mean, he knew that she would hold, again, she would hold onto the pearl necklace because she liked it. She, She was, she knew, he knew she wasn't just a pure criminal. So he trusted her to a certain extent in that regard. You know, that's just a, 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 the basis of their their relationship. <laughs> again, it was ridiculous. I mean, I I, did, I read your review after I um, saw it, and I thought the exact same thing as I was driving home. Was basically like, why would he even bother with this chick? You know, yeah, it, like he's gonna marry well, this woman. <laughs> like, yeah, it was dumb, but and again, you know. Literally ten minutes before, he was in love with Talia Al Ghul until she stabbed say, him, and then he yeah. goes like, "Oh, why?" <laughs> I was about to say, like his, his other girlfriend died, so he had to pick somebody. I mean, he had to have somebody at the table, you know. Yeah, you know, and he like he uh, he breaks up with Alfred over <laughs> you know that stupid uh, over Rachel, 
over I guess he should have saved the letter instead of burning it though it was cool at the end of the last movie is <laughs> in the ending montage when Alfred burns the letter but it was yeah that was the also do you know did you guys notice there was a line in the trailer that wasn't in the movie that Alfred has there wasn't enough Alfred in the movie anyway but where he cool. says he he has the line where he says uh you know like I promised to protect you and take care of you and I, and I failed and he's like on the verge of tears. And they, they still had the tears in like a variation of that scene, but they left that line out. And I thought that line was actually better than what was in the movie. Um, but didn't they transpose that line uh, at the very end when uh, he's in front of the tomb? Well, I think, yeah, he might have where he said that. But I mean, it was just better. It wasn't as like, you know, where he's like bawling in front of a grave. I don't need to see Michael Caine, you know, <laughs> like crying to that degree. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I- too much whiny Alfred in this movie. I'm sorry. I, I, I don't mind. I'm the only guy that feels that way. I, I just didn't feel it was necessary. But whatever. and what about in the ending too? The as people have made fun of the Goodwill Hunting, you know, ending <laughs> that they ripped yeah. off. Yeah, where... again, your review kind of nailed it. Where it looks, it didn't look like he was having an emotional reaction. It looked like somebody had farted in his food, like you said. I mean, yeah. He literally just like, I gotta, like oh, fuck this, is like the look on his face, you know? <laughs> like, literally, like, he want, he couldn't get out of there fast enough. It was, like, really weird. Where it was like, okay, I'm, satisf- I'm, I'm satisfied, and I'm out of here because I don't want to ruin it. Like, you know, he's going to... Not like, even, if, like, a smile. It doesn't crack a grin. He's just like, ah, fuck Yeah, it. like, or you, like, he acted as if, if I don't get out of here now, he's going to start being Batman again or something. <laughs> like, well, okay, we've had our moment, so I better I better split before, you know, he comes up and, like, hey, can you get me in contact with Fox? You know, I got some new yeah. ideas. Batman in Europe. <laughs> for Batman in Europe. <laughs> it's going to be I'm cool. I'm pretty sure – I like Morgan Freeman and all, but I'm pretty sure he would not be up for another movie. He looks like he was barely holding it down, this movie. <laughs> in this one. Yeah. Well, uh, he had go to ahead. Eat, you know. Sure. I liked. I'm glad they wrapped it up. I'm glad they tied a bow on this one and, and kind of gave it an ending and not overtly held it out for a sequel. Yes, I know they set it up for a Robin or Bat, you know, successor to Batman thing. Yeah, no, they're not going to do that. Exactly. I think that's more for fans to say like it's, yeah. it's a thematic passing of the cow, you know. But it's not a tune in for Batman four next summer, you know. It's yeah. Not, it's not a marketing pool or anything. I like even that. like that they didn't even show him like putting the suit on or anything. It just that was actually very cool with the platform just rising and you yeah. know, the ending there. And was speaking of which, did you what did you guys think of like that whole thing of the character John Blake? If I remember, I, I liked him. I liked I enjoy uh, Tommy in all his uh, in all his parts. Just, I wish his real name wasn't Robin again, like your review yeah. said. I wished it was even just use one of the fucking Robin aliases. We're not fucking idiots. You know? Yeah, that was that was for well, you know, that was for the sake of you know, like grandma, like oh, Robin, I get it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Whatever, small. Well, they wanted everyone and their grandma to go see the movie, so that was that was for the grandmas in the audience that you know would have no idea, like the oh, use my. Here's my real name, you know, Grayson, you know, if you'd been if like... it wasn't already fucking obvious that it was supposed to be Robin or, or that kind of character, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's what's weird is that he's not even supposed to be Robin because, you know, I don't think he's going to dress like, you know, Robin. He's going to be Batman, you know, is what it comes down to. Yeah, pretty much. Darkwing or Dark whatever his name is. Yeah, so Nightwing. I mean it was... Yeah, Nightwing, Nightwing but it was you. just... But I mean, I don't know. I don't think he was going to make his, I mean, he doesn't have Fox or Alfred to help him. So it would just be, I assume he's just going to use whatever Wayne had left over. His he's team of gonna, orphans will design his suit. He's going to die within two weeks. 
yeah, that was it. He doesn't have any of the training. He's just gonna fall off a building. <laughs> like, <"Whoa!" laughs> that's, yeah, that's why we're not gonna get to see the the, the Batman four with uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt as Batman. <laughs> uh, the rest I have here was basically stuff we've already talked about. Was I, I wanted to talk a little bit about Bane again in the end because he's a great character until the last five minutes, and that really bothered me. He's got tears in his eyes because he. Was in love with what an eight-year-old girl? I guess apparently. Well, no. you know, <laughs> some people don't really like that no, girl. Hey, they were they were in prison. <laughs> At least it was a girl. You know, what I mean, <laughs> he was, but uh, he was he could wait. You know, speaking but, of speaking of the prison, it actually, I mean, it's a uh, pretty disappointing. You know, like hell on earth and such. It's <laughs> it was it seems this pretty like, good. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not, not bad. He had yeah. TV. Yeah. <laughs> They're even encouraging the guys trying to escape. Like, I expected, you know, people to, you know, shoot arrows at them and search. It's just that one leap. You know, or you're just uh, from the, you're just new to the darkness. I was born in it, you know, and it's like, actually, there's a big sunlight. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the whole there. Darkness. Yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It actually looked very nice. <laughs> like, you have yeah, your own, absolutely. like, doctor there and, like, a guy who speaks English to keep him up to date. Did you catch this? Whenever he gets to the top, he throws down a rope for everybody else. Did you catch that little? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I saw when he threw the rope down. Yeah. 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 And I was thinking they only put that in because the new fans be like, "Oh, would Batman leave those people to die?" You know, like. Uh, uh, just looks... No, but at the same time, isn't he freeing a bunch of murderers? Possibly. Yeah. <laughs> like you know. <laughs> you know Batman, what, I, what are you doing? <laughs> what I wonder is why isn't there? You know, I mean, anybody could just go there and throw the, throw down the rope. You know, it's it's ridiculous. Well, and also, like, if you look at the way it's designed, like, someone of his skills would have been able to just climb out of there the first yep. time. Like, it wouldn't have been a challenge. Like, there's no way he could even be Batman at all if he can't climb. Like, if you li- literally, that course is like an easy rock climbing wall. Like, yeah. And so, that, jump, that jump isn't even, you know, so hard. And, you know, there are, like, lines, you know, where the big stones yeah. are, you know. And yeah. I, I kept thinking, why doesn't he just, you know, climb using these lines in between the, the stones? Like, he would just, yeah, like, he would just have to circle around. Yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. ridiculous. Now, if well, he couldn't I mean, have, like, climbed into the just the cracks in the wall anyway. Yeah, yeah, every, that's pretty much the thing. Everything about the pit, I, the, <laughs> the, the, con- the concept of it, the actual like construction of it, who co- who composes it, everything about it was unreal, and I don't mean unrealistic. Oh, yeah. I just mean like utterly unreal. Just like yeah. What, no, you made- know what? I like the concept, and I like that they did it. But they they you know they could have made the execution better. But you know, as overall for the movie, it works, and I like it. It's just yeah. you know they it could have been better. The execution I'll, I'll, was a bit lacking. I'll throw this out there. I thought that could have worked better if he stayed down there longer and the conditions were yeah. more severe. Like yeah. if he had started yeah. out the movie there. And in his actual rise to out of there was like a real big moment, whereas here yeah, it's kind of an thing. afterthought, you know. Yeah, when it have... happens, it's like you know, yeah, it's like don't use the rope, you know, all that yeah. crap, yeah. you know. Jesus or it's like, Christ. it's like, ah, uh, yeah, that that was dumb. And it's like by the time he did it, it was like I thought it was going to be actually much more of an ordeal, and it it didn't yeah. feel like it was more symbolic than anything. Like all yeah, around, just that it. one it's jump, just, really. Everything else is uphill. The yeah, one that he didn't that he didn't get a running start on, even though there's five feet of platform behind him, <laughs> like he just bends right. his knees and like, ah, <laughs> it's just yeah, uh, it was a bit a bit lame. Yeah, just as the was the guys, you know, it's also 
it brings me back to the you know one-liners from you know Batman. Like he's like, "Oh, you're just afraid." No, I don't know fear. I'm not afraid of death. Then five minutes later, that's why you're weak because you're not afraid of death. It, it doesn't. You know, the guy tells him he's weak because he's, he's afraid. Then he said, "No, I'm not afraid." He said, "Yeah, that's why you're weak." Yeah, it, yeah. I don't know. I, I felt it, uh, it didn't make much sense. And you know, when Batman goes back to Gotham, uh, his, his you know retorts are also pretty you know shitty. I think. I'm, I'm here. here. To stop, you. stop you. Yeah, it's like <laughs> basically stuff like that. But he never was too too clever. <laughs> They're not this Batman. Yeah. But, uh, well, also regarding that scene, it was a little disappointing to me, I have to say, that the final fight was pretty much the first footage we saw of this movie when it was, it was, it was Yeah, that's true. It was you also know? it was very short, I thought. Like it yeah. like oh, it wasn't it didn't so. really carry like to a climax. Like to me, like considering the first fight was like in you know, like you were saying to you, it was like the high point. The yeah. second one really didn't you know, it was like I didn't care about the bomb. And Talia Al Ghul yeah, and all that shit. Here. You know, to me, it was about Bane versus Batman. Yep. And that should have, you know, really that should have been given more attention and run to the climax of the movie. Although, uh, as did uh, convince me that you know Bane's death is neat, just that it, you know, it does surprise you. And, yeah, uh, that's true. Catwoman makes fun of him <laughs> for you know ba- Batman. For that was I didn't like that too. That scene where he like says to her like just him spelling it out like that was like no guns, no killing. And it's yeah. like, you know, just to say it is so lame. It's like, I know you don't kill Batman, but, to, you know, literally, like, tell other people, like, no, <laughs> don't be bad. Yeah. Uh, like, when they're fighting for their lives. <laughs> Regarding yeah. Bane's death, I just, I just, I'd hope for better, I guess, you know? Actually, he had, I guess he had to die, you know? You know, he he, he had, uh, honestly, I think he had been uh, lemmified a bit, like, yeah, just because, to reveal with Talia, he... He lost all power, all purpose. He just became a goon like any other. And so yeah. I, I, f- I found it actually extremely fitting. He had, he just... had already died after Batman yeah. like punched him in the face too hard. He was dead at that point. Yeah, he was already defeated. He had no purpose. So and after... was... Yeah, hold I on. Found... I was just going to say, I found it fitting. And actually, several times in the movie, he's just, you know, standing there like a moron, you know. (laughs) He's ending his coats, you know, like in his suspenders. And I kept thinking, any fucking police officer, any any loser could just shoot the guy in the face and it would be over. (laughs) And and yeah, so, uh, yeah, actually, I I find it pretty fitting. And even funny, like, you know, it made me laugh. Well, you know, because that was like the one time he actually lost his cool was afterwards when she said, you know, don't kill him. I want him to, you know, feel the warmth, you know, or whatever. The and he says to him, the fires of a soul, a million souls. You know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and he like, you have you to know, imagine the souls. <laughs> you have to imagine the one because he says, like, you realize I, you know, we both know I have to kill you. Right. And it's like, oh, wow. He's like, really? Because it's like it was like he had lost his cool. It was like, he really oh, is. He really is just a, another Batman henchman at that point. Yeah, he's just a bad guy. He's like, oh, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> May as well be Batman and Robin at this point. I kill you. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, he was his first lame moment was when Batman was back. And he's like, there can't be. Like, I yeah. broke oh, you. Man. But I broke he, you. He says, he says impossible. What did you guys think? Guys? What did you guys think, yeah, of, of the very first scene? I was actually wondering how the movie would start. Then I realized, oh, yeah, I'd already seen that scene in one of the trailers. Um, so Bane, they don't, they don't address this in the movie at all. But he has he's, he can speak in people's minds, apparently. He can 
project his voice into people's heads. <laughs> I didn't know that because that's 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 certainly what it sounded like in the in the theater with the way they were doing oh, yeah, the, the audio. Well, Sounds first like... of all, I mean, they obviously had to overdub every scene in that shot. Yeah, yeah. What was interesting about that scene is when we just talk about it, why it's a good movie and why we like it. So it's just to remind people since we've been trashing it for the last 15 minutes. Oh, but, I, I really like this movie. <laughs> yeah, I really I really like it too. I really enjoyed it. But yeah. look at that scene. That is like a th- – in any other movie, that would be like the climax of the movie. That yeah. would be like the biggest scene in the movie. And in this one, it was like a throwaway scene for Bane's like introduction and for some – no, no nameless doctor useless guy. yeah so for some just like it was like an excuse a plot point to grab this guy who was like it was a stupid like you're the only one that can do it right yes and, oh i killed him <laughs> now no one now no one can undo this because he's the only like physicist on earth you know or something <laughs> and that was that was just a throwaway scene and it's an amazing scene that in any other action movie would be like the point of the movie it would be the scene everyone would talk about like that would be like oh that was the movie that had that airplane scene in it yeah that airplane got fucked yeah actually it's also cleverly thematically linked to what happens of course of him like deconstructing what's possible yeah with this thing, and so. turning everything upside down and i mean exactly. it was for and in this movie that was just it was an afterthought of a scene yeah. like this movie just as far just as an action movie was you know excellent right you know action adventure if you're into that it was it was really good in that regard and it's like as much as we're making fun of like the realism of all this stuff if you compare it to like even like some of our favorite like 80s action movies with him in the hole and climbing out it was actually a lot more like in depth and like uh you know not realistic but you know just in its own way it was it was being more serious yeah than those I, movies if you know that's yeah. what you like but it wasn't too much so where it was like where it weighted down so just to kind of um, synthesize some of our protestations about the movie, I mean, what I'm really getting at is like the things I'm complaining about are what to me held it back from being great. And I wanted this movie yeah. to be great. Whereas in the end of the day, it was just – it was entertaining and it was – I'm glad the series is over and it was a good ending. But it, again, at the end of the day, I was not like, whoa. You know, it was good. Yeah, though. yeah. It was – you, you, you come away liking it. And yeah, uh, absolutely. I was going to say, to me, the great one out of this is The Dark Knight. And I know you guys are both sort of lukewarm on it. I think you should definitely watch it again if you've only seen if you only saw it like that first time. Like, watch it, watch it again. Just, you know, and look at everything it touches on as far as Batman and, you know, the different it, it gets it, it gets a lot done, actually. OK. Oh, I, and, I, I meant to if see you're, it. If you're looking for greatness, it's like it's the closest one of these three. Sure. I just remember being a little bored by some of the police work stuff and the dent side of stuff in the in the theater, but maybe I'm just being closed minded. Yeah, what what broke the Dark Knight to me, honestly, is the whole dent thing. Like the third act, I mean, yeah, it, it's uh, it's what really holds the movie back from being great to me. Honestly. See, I actually I really like that stuff. To me, that actually is what helps make it great. That they actually had like just there's so much going on in that movie and that they had that extra layer that wasn't just tacked on. Because I mean, some people feel like oh well, the two face just comes in at the end, but it's like if you look at it like you know, dense arc throughout the whole movie, and that you know he was there and he's he's really central to the plot. He's almost like you know the MacGuffin too. Yeah. Like, with, well- yeah, I don't know. I, I felt honestly. I, yeah, I felt it was uh, it was tacked on. No, not really. 
I don't mean to say it was not done well, but uh, I think it would have been better had it been integrated in, a, you know, more organically and uh, if things were all linked together. So I, I don't know. Yeah, it's what, uh, no, it's what it, really holds it back to me. Well, I would disagree. I do think it is. I, I do think it is all linked together. Like his, you know, relationship with uh, the Joker and the way you know he sort of turned him. And yeah. just, you know, early on the way, uh, you know, Dent was a target and what he represents is sort of this, you know, shining white knight for the city and how he's turned. I mean, it, it all does make sense. Like, and it's yeah. sort of, you know. I agree with that. But what I mean is that uh, it comes, you know, there's, there's a point where he just comes after the rest, you know, like it's like almost like an epilogue. You know what I mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. and, I know what you mean. Yeah, and that's that's uh, I don't know that's a part that really. But yeah, I, I know it's uh, it was you know all uh, not foretold, but it's uh, all brought together uh, you know from the beginning. But I I don't know I felt yeah it bothered me. But since uh, yeah, as have you seen it again since you first saw it? Yeah, maybe no. You're starting no, to sound like you're starting to sound like Bane, you know. Just yeah. trying to make a Bane impression, so I'm glad you noticed. But yeah, I was about to say since I haven't seen it uh, in a while, I can't tell you in more detail. But I remember that's what bothered me at the time. That, that's what I was going to say. So, oh, I, but, I would I would really recommend that you guys just watch it again. I mean, maybe you'll feel the same way, no, or you know, I, con- convince I, I, me, but. Let me put it this way. There's a, there's, a, there's a possibility that I'll watch it again and like it again or change an opinion, whereas with Azil, he has closest to like a photographic memory that I've encountered. <laughs> he has a pretty damn good memory. <laughs> so I'm, 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 I'm doubtful that an additional viewing will really change his mind. But that's just my opinion. Uh, yeah, but, you know, I don't know. I didn't hate the movie anyway. So I, I just, you know, I'll just finish with that. I didn't hate uh, The Dark Knight. And... Uh, all I can say is that, yeah, uh, the third act, you know, kind of broke the movie to me and that I really liked the Joker in it. I liked the Joker more than I liked uh, Batman. Ben, you mean? No, I mean uh, in the... He means he, means he liked the Batman. Uh, you like the Joker in the oh, Dark Knight better than the Dark Knight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, oh, yeah. but what about their interrogation? That was cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. A lot of, lot of things were, were pretty cool. <laughs> um... Crap. Is there more to talk about Batman? Is there more? Uh, I don't know. I was just going to sort of maybe talk about this one's place in the – I don't know. I think sure. about the pantheon of Batman movies. Oh. And to so me the – Batman Forever? <laughs> you know, yeah, number one, Batman Forever, followed <laughs> by Batman and Robin. Jim no, Carrey really knocked it out of the park, I thought. It's a great tribute to the 60s television program. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I kind of have it in like different tiers where the top one for me would be like The Dark Knight, 1980, the Batman 1989, and Mask of the Phantasm. Like mm-hmm. that to me, that's like the real trilogy of like good Batman movies. And then below that probably would have like this one begins and like Batman Returns. Mm-hmm. And then below that probably forever in like the 1966 movie. Oh, that's <laughs> With, all the way at the bottom? See, to me, that's no, like no, 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 no. That, that's not the bottom. That's not the bottom. Th- then yeah. the bottom is Batman and Robin. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, uh, sure. But I'm, what I'm saying is the 60s movie to me should be removed from that and put on a separate like plane of existence because it's like a totally different. No, I put it, I have it on the same tier with Batman forever. Cause I feel like Batman forever is basically like a modern, like remake of like that style. It's like a tribute to the sixties show. Really? 
But this, here's the thing. I, I'm not the guy that defends the 60s show. I can't watch that because it's kind of like stomach turning way bad. But <laughs> I know some people think, oh, it's a phony parody. I mean, no, and it was never funny to me. I mean, like, some it of was the never a parody. It was just, you know, lame from the beginning. Yeah, I was I was watching that movie last night. And literally, I wasn't kidding when I told you that. Well, I mean, but I don't think what they did in the 90s was really a successful mimicking of that because the 90s movies also try to be serious as well, which is kind of embarrassing. Really? Well, I'm, I just meant like, uh, do you mean when you say the 90s movies, do you just mean the Schumachers? Sure. Yeah. Sorry. I, I mean the Shoemaker section of the movies. Yeah. The shit. Let's just say. I don't know. Like a lot of it seems like, I mean, when I say it's a tribute, I'm being kind, but I mean like Batman and Robin isn't a, tri- it's just a mess. <laughs> if you, yeah, if you yeah. remember that movie. So that's why it's always going to be, the very I, bottom. You know, I actually haven't Guys, seen I that it. movie. I only saw clips on YouTube. Oh, you should watch it. It's it's something to behold. To actually, I saw it. <laughs> I saw it in theaters when I was young, and it oh was just God. like, oh my good lord! <laughs> like, what have they done to Batman? Well, I guess that's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like uh, Walter's gone off to do something uh, while uh, we are just, you know, left here to hang. I think well, the, I think I pissed him off with that Batman and Robin talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess we can move on to the user questions now. Oh uh, yeah. Let's see. I had them open. Let me open my uh, my garbage folder here. Yeah. <laughs> my spam folder. No. <laughs> Yeah, you know, Walter should have that uh, garbage day. Uh, you know, <laughs> garbage <it's>... day. <laughs> like, get that wave going. Yeah, that'll work. Yeah, what what the hell happened to Walter? I don't know. I Walter. He... Uh he just likes a Batman. He retired. Yeah, he just disappears. So that's what that feels like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was cute. I was hoping they were going to do like something where he made fun of the voice too. Like they had an opportunity to do that yeah. to like acknowledge it and make it better, but they never did. I was a little disappointed because like yeah. by the end of the movie, everyone knew who he was. So it's like yeah. he didn't need to do that yeah. voice anymore. <laughs> it's know, like cat. Yeah, when uh, when the commissioner says Gordon, he says, you know, Bruce Wayne. I was like, yeah, come on, go fuck yourself. Are you, are you <laughs> fucking, you know, kidding me? Everybody knows. And another thing is, uh, I felt a, a sort of a lost opportunity. They should have uh, had Gary Oldman dye his hair like on his mustache and his uh, head silver. Gary <laughs> so, Oldman in this movie, man, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? You know what? Bumbling That's another old guy <laughs> drops the diffusing thing. Oh, oh whoops! Whoa! <laughs> I gotta get in there. That's why. It's, <laughs> that's why he should have been a silver fox. He should have been an old like old man. Like he he needs to be. Re- that also makes sense why they're gonna dump him. I kept uh, I kept hoping for him to pull through in this movie because I'll be honest I never liked him as Commissioner Gordon he never fit the archetype of that character at all ever so I kept hoping once, he would pull pull his shit once together again I felt that in the dark night it was good no, you know what I I agree with you in Begins I've wa- I actually watched the Dark Knight in Begins after I saw Rises just yeah. to sort of like catch up on you know like because I'm always I'm constantly analyzing and like. And Begins, I really didn't like when I, I like I remember not liking it before and I didn't like it again the first hour I'm watching it and I'm thinking like, wow, this this it made me just appreciate the trilogy because I was like, this is like the most crazy, like in-depth sort of Batman 
you know, series of movies anyone's going to sure. do. Like, they've, they've got him, like, you know, training in the mountains, you know, <laughs> with the <laughs> League it's of Shadows. Yeah, you know, this is ridiculous, yeah. you know. But then the second half of the movie, it falls apart because, like, Bale, frankly, you know, he's not very good as Batman. His Bat voice in that movie is terrible. He sounds like he's constipated. Yeah. It's, like, halfway between... <laughs> Like his normal, I don't even like him as Bruce Wayne, you know, he's got this sort of glib attitude and it's like, it really feels false. And even Gary Oldman as uh, Gordon in that movie, he does a different voice than he does in Dark Knight in this one where he like, he hasn't like figured it out yet. Like, I feel like no one in that movie, that movie is like practice. Like they, like Nolan doesn't know how to direct the action scenes. Mm-hmm. It's got some beautiful shots and visuals like of the, of like Ra's al Ghul's like palace and of like the the train yeah. going Again, Gotham. It's first hour, the, great. Yeah, the, it's beautiful. It's really good, but yeah, it really falls apart in the second act. And uh, but yeah, so all, I just watched when, those again, and it's also it was when Batman gives Commissioner Gordon keys to the car. Whoa! I gotta get me one of those. Oh, oh <laughs> Jesus! You know, he does a totally different, awkward like voice. He's almost got like a twang. And he and it's and it's different from his Gordon in the in the next two movies. And I mean, I and it, and I do like him in the Dark Knight as Gordon. I think it actually works. And I like you know when I was watching it when they killed him, or it seemed like they killed him. I started getting upset. You know my my fickleness, my nitpicking was like Gordon's not supposed to die. This is wrong. <laughs> like I can't support this this departure. I but was... then when they brought him back, and not only brought him back, but then the mayor's like. You're getting the big chair. You don't have a choice. Commissioner Gordon, everybody. It's like, yeah. <laughs> now they're <laughs> now they're doing it right. Because they killed him before he was even the commissioner. So, yeah. So that was a real uh, film affirming. Anyway, speaking, let's... Speaking yeah. of cops, how about that stupid-ass cad cop who had his one moment of, like, righteousness? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what Gordon never did and get Batman. He's like the asshole, like, fucking oh, things up. And like, God. what about the, the terrorist criminals? Who cares? Let's get Batman. <laughs> I love the I love the 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 confirmation of death shot that was really necessary. Yeah, he's, oh, yeah, he's going to be a hero. He puts on his blues and he goes out there, and it's like, uh, but no one cared about him. It's like he was yeah, that, he was talk about an unnecessary character, actually. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, um, that scene. I mean, here's the thing. Yeah, Gotham's always been sort of New York. In this movie, it was New York. It wasn't Gotham City. It was basically New York. They had the fucking New York cops on the street trying to evoke the same emotions you might have, like with 9-11 or something like that. I thought that was a little of a cheap grab, like seeing that many cops on the street like that, yeah. like trying to be trying to evoke that. My, uh, my girlfriend was like, this movie's very pro-cop. You know? I was like, well, in yeah. the last two, like they were all criminals. So maybe they're trying to make up for it. Yeah. Well, I don't cops are all was- good guys. Unrealistic here is that uh, you know all these cops running at the guys. You know you give them a, a couple of uh, you know assault rifles and they're just going to mow down everybody. Yeah, you know well that's again they fought like they were the British in the Revolutionary War. Or something. Yeah. It's like how about you hide behind a car? You know, <laughs> like make it like actual it's urban tough. warfare. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well. As they see these two armies about to collide, I was like, oh. That's not really how it would go down, is it? Yeah, this is not just fighting, you know, hand to hand. It's it's yeah. much like you know Ben and Batman. So that's the problem with it is that they focused way too much on hand to hand fighting. I mean, it works when it comes to Bane and Batman, but it doesn't work when it comes to everybody else. Yeah, you know, they, they fight with gun and they just you know gun everybody down. That's that's how it's done. 
So when the cops were trapped, you know, thousands of six thousand men or whatever in the sewer in the sewers, where where'd they put their poop? Do they have like a poop pail? They were in the sewers, dude. Yeah, they just, you know, <laughs> just pooped right into the where they're sleeping. Into canal, yeah, into, into <laughs> Okay, I guess that's easy access. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah, we can. To me, on. it was interesting that Dane was like they were still feeding them and everything and taking care of them, and, like literally yeah, one, keeping one, them donut, nourished. One, one donut at a time. <laughs> yeah, they were like literally one keeping donut. them nourished so that they could, you know, revolt at the end. I don't know. I guess it was supposed to. I don't know. Well, the whole thing's ludicrous when you think about it, so it's not yeah. even worth it. Like, you know, like the idea that the outside world wouldn't intervene. I didn't like that they had the old fake whitey president. <laughs> like, they always do, like, the, oh, yeah. I'm not a fan of fake movie presidents. Well, that was, wasn't actually the, that was the chief of staff for the West Wing president. Sure. <laughs> really? Yeah, pretty sure. And yeah, detonating a neutron bomb over the ocean. Good idea. I thought worked. <laughs> it looked it looked terrible. It looked really fake as hell. Like, yeah, it was surprisingly like really <laughs> like mm-hmm. in true lies. It looked fantastic when they had the nuclear bomb go off in the distance, like on the island. Yeah, well, that it was kind of a CG explosion in, in this movie, like a real CG explosion. Like it's out there in the background somewhere. We're it looked like a, it looked like a painting in the background. Yeah, like is obviously a, a, a real special effect. Like no bombs were exploded in the filming in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys want to move on to user questions? Do you guys want yeah. to do user questions? Let's just skip it. This is garbage. <laughs> garbage day. Huh? No. <laughs> Jackalj asks. If you had to choose one page from the manga, oh, we already asked answer this question. Yeah, you pretty <laughs> much did with the, the idea picture. So next, which one would it be? Episode eighty-two uh, for me. That's mine. Um. Well, I can't choose myself, so yeah, I'm sorry. I'm I'm not answering that. <laughs> All right, yeah, I can't I can't pick one either. Okay, it'd be it'd be a picture of Griffith though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, actually, this question, asked, <laughs> this question asks you have to choose one page, so I have to choose of the two page spread. I have to choose one uh, <laughs> yeah. page with the where it says God on it. I guess I'm kind of partial to that one. I think that shows like the back end of his heart, though. You want the one with the ventricle. <laughs> Good question. Moving on, uh, Joe Zeon asks, "What scene has stuck with you the most? Not necessarily a favorite scene." Just one you can't forget. For example, I mean, for me, it's Sacrifice. Uh, the Sacrifice scene, Volume 13, with Griffith. Uh, of the tens of thousands of comrades, and or one thousands of comrades and thousands of enemies, you're the one. That's the one to me. That's the big scene for me. Well, I can't choose. Okay. <laughs> I'll just, for the sake of picking, like, something that's stuck with me for a while now is probably uh, the, the most recent, you know, Ganeshka's death and the, the fantasying of the world and just... Falconia and Femto and Skull Knight. Yeah, that's pretty loaded. Yeah. If I had to think about it, I'd probably give an answer like that. But to me, like I, I gave literally a shot from the hip. Answer. Yeah. That, that's the one that's literally stuck me with me through the years. So that's the yeah. last question. If I, if I have to give a scene as well, because I, I'll just play the game, you know. One scene that really, you know, struck me is uh, at the end of uh, the eclipse when the Skull Knight breaks through the sun, you know. Hell yeah. And and goes on. That's uh, that really you know struck me at the time. 
Oh, you know what? I think I've got a good example for this question. It's the scene with Zod watching Skull Knight right away with uh, Guts and Casca, where he's talking about him having to live, you know, in the darkness. And I mean, that scene has stuck with me for a long time. Just that sort of that, as it, the distance goes, and you see just that sort of outline of Zod, you know, talking, pontificating about yeah. that. Yeah, it's stuck with me. Good stuff. Very haunting. Ryoma asks, do you think Roderick has already played his main role in the story? How important is he compared to other protagonists? That's kind of an unfair question. Um, yeah. I mean, well, no, I, I think I think he's definitely got more to do in the story. Yeah. I think it's yeah. associated with Farnese, but we'll, I mean, we'll see. Uh, yeah. How important is he compared to the others? I mean, not, not as very important. <laughs> he could grow in importance like, you know, far – yeah, Farnese and uh, Serpico yeah. weren't that important to begin with. I mean, they were important, but, you know, he, he could graduate even yeah. maybe beyond what, you know, Mira originally had in mind for him. Yeah. But I don't think he's going to, to become, you know, I don't I don't even think he's a protagonist. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's I mean, he doesn't need to be. I mean, he's an, he's a good character as he is, but yeah. he he's, he's not introduced as like, you know, the next Serpico or something like that. I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, he's, he's basically character. he might be like Serpico's, you know, sort of way out of the whole his sick relationship with uh, yeah yeah. Renee. As far as I'm concerned, they've already crossed that bridge. Yeah. Well, I think they are, you know, crossing it. He I could still, yeah. That. I mean, he could still get killed or something. Put <laughs> it to Kai Bosch. He's going to become the, you know, the admiral of Guts Navy when he has no, the full out war. See, it's going to be I, the end of <laughs> the the Black Swordsman rises. I think that would be a cool scene is showing Roderick commanding forces that aren't just human. I think that would be really cool. Hmm. Um, but you Churchill know, asks, go ahead. I was going to say Roderick always, you know, calls gets captain and uh, not captain as in captain of a ship, but captain as in uh, uh, military commander. So oh. I, I don't think uh, Roderick would like to be, you know, admiral of, I mean, maybe admiral of a fleet, but not. You wouldn't want to be admiral of the fairy forces? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't <laughs> think he, he would lead uh, Guts' uh, army, you know. I mean, I, I would I don't think I, I, like that. I didn't mean that. I, I didn't mean like a ranking thing. I just meant if he's good at maneuvering ships, maybe he's good at directing orders and things like that. Okay, that's fine. Another troops attack from the right. See, that's all I'm talking about. Dolphin troops with mounted elf lasers go. That would be a very, like, apocalyptic scenario where, like, the human world is sort of breaking down anyway, I think. Yeah. Like, it would, you know, sort of life or death for the world as they know it. We're we're already overstepping Roderick's potential here, so... (laughs) Joe Chip. <laughs> Chip asks, are you guys going to introduce something like a donate button or purchasable SKNet items so you can help? I appreciate the sentiment, but I've never wanted you guys to have to pay for what we do. So probably not. I'm glad uh, you said that because I, I wanted to hear your answer first before I said like, I feel like this is almost like <laughs> Stockholm syndrome, like on the internet, like these guys, I can't believe you're it's like conditioning, like, where can I donate? You know, I have to donate to you. You know, it's like, you know, you don't, you don't always have to donate everywhere. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, like to go further, way far back in the day, you know, when it, when you, in the late nineties, every site had ads everywhere and the ads used to be more intru- obtrusive. And to me, maybe to me, they were more intrusive. They were like they take the place of like a banner instead of like where you read where the site is. They would take all over that, and they were all on the margins, and they had one at the bottom everywhere. So your yeah. entire content is framed by ads, and you have to yeah, you're like you know. you're diluting your own brand, right? You know when you do to that. Me, 
whenever I wanted to create a site, I wanted to make sure it was somewhere that you felt like was yours. And it wasn't just, I wasn't there to make money, you know, it's never been the intent. So, I mean, as far as purchasable SKNet items, I mean, Azil has been tossing this around for a while. He wants to make like shirts. Is that right? And that, yeah. would, that would be cool. Yeah. Official SKNet shirts. Like they look really professional. I think that would be cool. But again, it, it wouldn't be something I would sell to make money for the site. It would just be something that everyone could buy. You know, I think that would be cool. Yeah. But uh, again, we've been talking, we've been kicking around that idea for like five years now. So who knows if that'll actually happen. Um, Darklink asks, what do you guys think about indie games in general? Damn it, I could talk about this for a long fucking time, but I'm not going to. Um, I probably played the most indie games among the three guys here. Uh, I read several different video game news sites. Primarily, Rock, Paper, Shotgun uh, is a great way to keep up with what's happening in PC games in general. Not just the big titles, but the smaller ones in They'll often do a review of a smaller title, and I've had some really great experiences in small games. Uh, Cave Story is amazing. VVVVVVV uh, is also really, really awesome. I just recently beat that, actually. Uh, I played a lot of Minecraft when it first started becoming big, but not in the sense that me and my friends built Mega Man icons in the shape of, like, towers. You know, I, <laughs> I play the survival aspect where it was fun for me to dig into the ground and explore uh, an infinitely you know, regenerating world. I think that's a cool idea. I got bored with it pretty quick because it's kind of a hollow experience. That's always been my, my trouble with Minecraft. I would rather there be more to that experience than just random shit happening. So uh, I, I play dozens of small games, but um, I think the indie scene in general is a little full of itself at the, at the moment. I, I, I keep waiting for you know little gems to happen, but you have to play so much shit to get to the good stuff. I mean, it's it's as bad as it ever has been when it comes to amateur gaming because there's always a bunch of shit, but there are always, of course, like diamonds in the rough to find. But you have to really get your hands dirty to find them if you want to you know, be the pioneer to that. Otherwise, you can wait for sites to find the gems for you and then spit them out to you. But to me, it's sometimes it's fun to try a game that you don't know anything about really, you know, and see how it goes. Well... As far as I'm concerned, I don't know if that was uh, Darkling's original question of if you uh, condense it a bit. I seem to remember that he asked about three times of indie games or whatever. And like the difference between indie games and independent games and such. But uh, anyway, I mostly play games that uh, either are recommended to me or that I read about in you know professional uh, magazines or such. And uh, so I don't have that much contact with indie games. I play the popular ones, but that's about it. I'm not very interested in the whole, you know, scene and the, how to say, it has a pretentious aspect you can find in indie games, like, you know, all the stuff with uh, John Blow and such. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, but I've read some articles about it and it just bores me because it has seem to be overtly uh, pretentious to me and uh, it's just not very interesting. I mean, like you said, Walters are just full of themselves and... Well, mostly, I think they are morons. So yeah, <laughs> I, I, I just I play the games that are nice, and uh, as for the rest, I don't really give a shit. Yeah, that's sort of my uh, take on it. It's like I don't really like I don't care about the scene or even pay attention to that. Or it's just sort of like you know if there if it's a good game and it's recommended to me, like if you know Walter's playing a great indie game and he says you have to play this game, like any other game I'd play it, like if it was a mainstream game or not. And I like them. I think you can get a lot of creativity out of them. You can probably do, like, ideas that, you know, maybe... I mean, a mainstream game producers, they can do anything they want to, but maybe, you know, this is neat because, like, 
some little creative person can have autonomy and get like their idea out. Right. Something like VVVVV, which, you know, I played when it came out on PC and then, you know, I downloaded it for the 3DS, which was kind of cool to see it like, oh, wow, this, you know. It's, yeah, I like it on 3DS a lot. It's yeah. Really and, uh, you know, that sort of changes it like and uh, so, yeah, it's like anything else. I'm not I don't really I'm not I'm not bothered by any of the pretensions because I really don't like I'm not into the scene. So it doesn't really touch me. I just get to, yeah. you know, enjoy the product. And so, I yeah, think- I like them. I think too often indie games are what, – what what you ultimately end up playing is what anybody else with any right mind would consider a sketch of a, of what it could ultimately be. And the, the indie game in general is the, – the, the bar for quality is generally low, both with visual fidelity and like the depth of the game. Uh, I think that's a bad – I mean I'm, what I'm, I guess what I'm really getting into, it's the same argument with iPhone games. Like you know, the bar for quality is pretty low because people just tend to shit out games and – what you actually expect from those is pretty low, but I don't think it always has to be like that. You know, it's not a self-perpetuating thing. It doesn't have to be like that. But. I also got the impression that a lot of people are in it to make a quick buck. Like, yeah, they're, sure. They're, they're trying to be the, the new guys, the new Angry Birds, the new bread. You know, that's going yeah. to make a, a million bucks in a in a week. So, but right. then being said, uh, I did fund uh, Clank, which is a uh, I guess an indie game. So there you go. Yeah, I mean, I do care a, a little bit. Next question comes from Josian again. Uh, is it possible that at some point we could see a scenario where the Dragon Slayer is broken, or in order for Guts to defeat Griffith, he has to upgrade it in some way? Uh, I, I think yeah. I've answered this before. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't <laughs> think I could see it breaking. I mean, I'm sure it's possible that it could break. I just don't think it will be broken because I think it's a symbol of the series. I think it's. it's yeah. I think it would be. It's too iconic for it to break because I don't. I don't know what would come next. You know, that's yeah. oh, well, that, unless it's like literally the end, you know, yeah. spoiler alert in Buffy season eight, you know, she has the Slayer a scythe and it breaks when she breaks the seed of all magic for the world. So I could wow. see it like that be the if that's the, if Berserk, you know, copies that ending, mm-hmm. it could, it could break. But, sure. I mean, it would be a way also a way of him hanging it up after that. right? Yeah, it would be yeah. symbolic of, you know, he's done now. Yeah, and everything, but uh, yeah, you know, it could break, and or he could have to upgrade it because you know when you say, well, "Is it possible?" It's like, it's, yeah, it's, it's already been upgrading in a way, you know, yeah. without so him what, upgrading it, you know. Yeah, like you know, with all the creatures he's slain, so it was sort of a natural upgrade, but. I don't think he's going to be broke. I mean, we we saw you know during the Golden Age arc, uh, we saw God's sword break several times, and uh, I think the purpose of it was beyond you know what it meant for the story to show that yeah it could break. And when he finally got the Dragon Slayer, it reaffirms the fact that it's a uh, fucking huge and unbreakable in a way. Right. So yeah, I, I don't think it's going to break. Like it, it could be done and it could happen of course, but I don't think it will. And there are several times in the series, like for example, when uh, Mosgus has got it in his mouth and you know, he's going to smash it. Yeah. With his yeah, heart wings. Yeah. There's a tension when you're like, Oh, it might, you know, it's, it's under a lot of tension and it might be damaged, you know, seriously or even broken, but yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. So right. yeah. He's going to break, and then he's going to pick up the pieces and smash, like, Void's brain in with it. (laughs) (laughs) Splutch. Just take the end of it and... (laughs) (laughs) With his mouth. Yeah, he's going to hold it in his mouth. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Good Reverend Skeleton asks, Have you guys ever been inspired by Berserk or another work of fiction in a way that has affected your actions or outlook in life? 
how? This is a difficult question to ask in the context that we're giving it where we're going bam, 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 you know. It's also kind of a personal question. Um, I mean, by Berserk or any other work of fiction, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I can't name uh, I can name a couple, I guess, but I mean, it's not an all-inclusive list. But this is funny to some people maybe, but Slam Dunk's ending was really inspirational to me. And is essentially you can be boiled down to having confidence despite over, overwhelming odds and, and, and it's against you. It's essentially the message of the series. Yeah. Um, and even though you're a beginner, you know, if you have, you know, the will to do it, you can do it, you can overcome odds. That's essentially the series. And that was very inspirational to me growing up. Um, just, you know, and you come out of college, you don't have a lot in your, and the ball's not really in your court, really, or the ball is in your court. You don't really know what you're going to do with your life. That kind of, that message was very inspirational to me at, at the time, trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my own life. So that was a direct answer. Well, honestly, I don't know if uh, I don't know if anything inspired me or affected my my action or my outlook. Uh, I, I have no idea. I would tend to say no, but I don't know. So, I've been reading Berserk for a long time. I don't think it's really affected uh, the way I think. Rather, I think I was attracted to Berserk a lot because it matched my outlook in life, you know, from the beginning. So, I don't know. I would tend to say no, but at the same time, I'm not, you know. I can't uh, judge uh, my own evolution over the years, you know, from my own point of view. So I, I don't know. Well, it's definitely affected me. Like whenever someone's like fucking with me and I'm just going to chop them in half with my sword, <laughs> I, I always think of God's first. And then, uh, but no, uh, seriously. Uh, yeah. I mean, but like in little ways, it's not like, I don't think Berserk is really, I mean, it's really affected my life greatly just from, you know, reading it and having such fandom for it. I mean, and right now, you know, I'm we're dedicating, you know, our time mm-hmm. to, you know, exploring it, you know, this way. But, yeah, you know, like little silly things. Like if I have to lift something heavy, I'll think, you know, like, of, you know, well, this wouldn't be a problem for guts. You know, uh, give me a little extra oomph. You know, just silly stuff like that. And as far as other works, like, I think... You probably <laughs> that, shouldn't be lifting that. Yeah, you know, I think, like... Vagabond is like good for that because it's like it's also very intellectual and ph- philosophical in, yes. in a very general way. Yeah. That you know, you that doesn't just apply to like sword fighting and stuff, you know, and I don't know, and like as said how like the perspective of Berserk already matched his own. Like I I'm sort of in that same boat that's sort of like Guts has that very cynical like pragmatism early on. And you know, even though he's softened up, he still has it. Mm-hmm. And it's like that's what I was I was raised with that so it's you know with you know just where you have a I don't know a little evil grin about life sometimes so yeah it didn't need to inspire me too much Incantation last question asks uh what's your favorite movie genre uh action movies for me this is like a three part question so action movies generally the ones that I are my favorites if I had to list my favorites are almost all action movies yeah, honestly, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't say I don't think I like uh, genre specifically. I love action movies, but I don't know. I I don't think of movies in in terms of uh, a genre, honestly. So I well, wouldn't really know what to say. Arguably, everything is action. Everything is drama. So, yeah, I mean, you know, there's, so, there's a, yeah. So I mean, yeah, I mean, I just I would agree with uh, Walter. You know, action movies because they have drama, and you know, drama is action, and so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just like, yeah. I guess I like exci- exciting movies. You know, if they're, they're well, 
<laughs> well, let's go. F- let's go for action movies then. <laughs> yeah, let's just say action. You know, name drop a few movies you enjoy from that genre. So good action movies: uh, Die Hard, Commando, Predator, Terminator Two, uh, Aliens, Aliens. Yeah, Prometheus. How about Tech Noir? <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. T- Tech Noir. Is my favorite genre, which would be like, <laughs> like Terminator, uh, RoboCop, Aliens, uh, Terminator fits, 2, Blade and Predator. Yeah, 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 yeah. Technor is a uh, very Blade Runner. Yeah. I thought you were making up that genre. That's a real thing. No, no, they they mentioned that in uh, in uh, Terminator. The name of the bar is Technor. Oh, really? Yeah, wow. and it's like, yeah, it's sort of like, sort of, it's supposed to be the genre like Terminator fits in along with, yeah, like Blade Runner. Yeah. I, I actually, I mean, I wanted to talk about it really quickly. Like Blade Runner, I wish there were more movies like that because to me it seems like an obvious thing. Like a noir that's in a sci-fi, it's also a detective story. Why yeah. hasn't that been done more? That's like an under, really uh, underused uh, concept. Yeah, I think pretty. it's because you're like, it's a very, I don't think like we are probably, I mean, there's a lot of people that want to see that, but you're not like, it's not for general audiences necessarily. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you gotta, it's gotta be people that like detective stories. It's like, how many detective stories do you see that aren't like sort of genre cop movies too? Right. right. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. So it, it's, it's tough. It's like a mixing of two sort of like genres that, you know, sci-fi now has come around to be very successful, but not that kind of sci-fi. It has to like be with like you know, aliens invading, yeah. you know, and the, like the that. Sci- so. The sci-fi to me now is not exploring the genre. It's just like yeah. recycling the same tropes for big bucks, uh-huh. basically. Yeah, you know, you so know, it's, it's just like uh, the fact there's no cyberpunk, you know, movies yeah. being done. You know, it's, yeah. I think it's very hard to pull off. Yeah, the major Blade Runner had a little bit of that in it too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that that's probably why, like, that Blade Runner DV, that Blu-ray of Blade Runner with, like, every version of the movie on it uh-huh. is an amazing buy. Yeah. Last question. Weakest Pixar movie, according to you, is, for me, it's Finding Nemo. I can't stand the fact that there's a blue filter on the entire movie. It makes me nauseous. That's it. Yeah, I also I think no it's idea. really I think it's oh, also an overly sentimental movie. Like it's so freaking sappy, it's ridiculous. I, that's actually the one I was thinking of because yeah. I mean I've been I've actually like missed out on a lot of Pixar movies, and I really all the movies I've seen of theirs I'm like impressed by. Yeah, me too. Like, visually, for sure. Well, not just visually, but I mean even just like they know how to tell a very basic story in some ways yeah. that like mm-hmm. you you don't see like in you know you we should see more of that in hollywood and it's like they they mess that up too often because i think they're like a bunch of people trying to be like oh i'm very creative and you know like i'm like i'm the next quentin tarantino and i'm gonna do this real you know this storytelling that's unconventional and it's like it's also like broken and doesn't work and is terrible (laughs) (laughs) you know and it's like no you're not quentin tarantino (laughs) and so it's like you know it's nice to see like storytelling basics that they they managed to pull out very well and you said like finding nemo was like overly sentimental yes well it's like they're they're very good at doing sentimental and maybe they went too far there but like they're they're good at doing that uh they're also i mean i think what you're saying is like they're also very economical about storytelling they, they yeah they, they convey a lot effectively in a short amount of time you know you can just watch like the montage from up like that's basically oh, a yeah. couple, but that makes people cry <laughs> like, you should you should just hang up that movie after that before you get to talking dogs because that's just ridiculous it, i mean you could just yeah just start there and then you know oh wow you just watch that three minutes and it's like yep. that sort of sums up why they're good at what they do exactly that's a very they're very extremely economical example of why pixar is great 
But yeah, they're a fantastic company. I hope they keep pushing the boundaries and don't return to the well because they're doing cars. They did cars two already, right? No more cars. Yeah. They're doing Cars I, I, 3, I'm, I'm going to say Cars 2 is the worst one, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, <laughs> so, you know. and then yeah they're doing... same here, actually. I haven't even seen Cars. You know, the Neither first one. Uh, now they're doing what, that one about the monsters in the closet or whatever it's called. Yeah. Oh, that was Mo- oh Monsters, Inc. too? Yeah, I can't stand Monsters, Inc. That's also one of my least favorite. Uh, it's a Monsters Academy, I think. Right, but it's a sequel. Again, guys, just keep on pushing the limit. You're the only guys out there making these kind of movies to the level that you are. There's no need to return to the well. You got plenty of cash in the bank. Hey, wait! What about Ice Age and Kung Fu Panda and Madagascar and? <laughs> oh yeah, it's all crap. <laughs> Sorry. Exactly. So yeah, don't. I wish they wouldn't fall into that trap of keeping making the same shit. Just keep on making new stuff, new franchises. That being said, if you had to make it a sequel, I would love an incredible sequel. Just saying. yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. I guess that's it for questions. See, and knocked them all out. No garbage here. While you were gone, we were just like <laughs> doing like the garbage day like voice wave. Oh, good. Saying I you should. Have... <laughs> <laughs> I'd hope someone would bring that. You should. Yeah, you should put that. Like, you should actually have that in the podcast. <laughs> garbage it's a, it's a, day. It's a transition. You, yeah. I didn't know you guys knew that I was gone. I actually left the Batman conversation for like five minutes and came back. Yeah, yeah. We noticed like okay. right as left, so we spent five minutes uh, saying bullshit. Awesome! I can't wait to hear that when I edit. Unfortunately, it's all bullshit. Like, where's Walter? <laughs> Walter, come <Yeah>. back. <laughs> day. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us again for another episode. We'll be back in a couple or three or four weeks. We'll see what happens. The end. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I know we ran long. Sorry, two hours. This will be our longest podcast ever. Oh wow! I blame Batman. Yeah, it's such a long movie. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. I had such detailed notes for Batman, but when we finally got to it, I was just like, "Blah, Batman." Yeah, <laughs> that's how that's how it works with Batman. Like that's what I always know when like those movie topics or Mass Effect or whatever. I know I'm going to be able to talk forever just babbling. So actually, idea ran longer than I expected because I was thinking like. You know, there's like literally a episode and a half of material. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. To touch on. Episode. But yeah, we. Yeah, we pretty we got pretty in depth. Yeah, good stuff. I, I mean, I always it's one of those episodes where I I learn stuff. Like I, I didn't think there was a couple different things that really surprised me for what you guys said, and that's always why I love doing this stuff is you know learning yeah. things that I didn't think about before. So always cool. Azil, you got a split? Yeah, well, not really, no. Okay, I thought you maybe was running too late for you because I mean, what? What time was it over there? Ten? Uh, no, it's nine uh, twenty. Oh, that's not that bad. Yeah, no, it's it's fine. Cool. Actually, I need to fart. Start. I need to fart. I need to start monitoring <laughs> the Olympics because uh, as a guy that's competing from my town, let's see how he did. Yeah. All right. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not leaving the conversation. Um. Azil, what, what have you been playing? You had not been on Steam a lot, have you? Uh, actually, uh, I have. I've been playing uh, Alien Noir, which uh, I think is uh, really great. Oh, really? 
Yeah, yeah. I, I think Rockstar, you know, they really only make good games. And uh, I, I really like Alan Noir. It's, uh, it's pretty cool. It's a whole, uh, you know, uh, 1940s uh, aspect and such is, is pretty nice. And uh, yeah, I like the characters. I like the systems, uh, you know, they put in it. Uh, it's, it's, all, it's all pretty good. So I've been playing that. And uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty great. I like it a lot. I, if you honestly, I recommend it uh, to you. Yeah, I have it. I just haven't installed it or played it yet. Because it seems like it's one of those games where you can't really play it casually. You know, you got to really be in into it. And I've not had time to really jump headfirst into a game like that in a long yeah. time. Yeah, you, you've got to follow the guys. But yeah, what I like about it is, you know, much like Red Dead Redemption was a take on the whole uh, cowboy movie western and such. This is a take on the detective, you know, classic detective uh, movie and or serial. Where you play the guy and it's all done, you know, old, the old timey way and such. And honestly, I really like it. Uh, it looked like too in depth for me. Like just the the way you could take down notes and question people, and it was just like there was like so many modes of like there was so much gameplay. Mm-hmm. It just yeah. looked like a, a beast. <laughs> but honestly, it's it's not that bad. Like the guy takes notes. It's all streamlined. Yeah, it's not like you write the notes yourself or anything. The guy has pre entered questions. And it's it's uh, honestly it's pretty streamlined. Like you have to choose the guy, you know, answers your question, and you have to choose whether they are saying the truth. Uh, you have to doubt what they're saying, like you're not sure, but you have no proof, or you accuse them of lying, and then you have to present a proof that they are lying. So it's uh, it's pretty straightforward. And uh, mm-hmm. there's a a part of the gameplay that's uh, just like in GTA, where you you know drive around the cars, you run after suspects. And either you have to catch them or you, you, you know, you have uh, shootouts with uh, bad guys. Mm-hmm. And there's another part where you have to analyze clues uh, on a crime scene and such. Mm. So, yeah, it's, it's just, you know, I don't know. It's just well done. And it's a variation of the whole uh, GTA gameplay and such. And I really like it. Honestly, I, I think it's a good game. I, I don't even remember how much I paid for it. I think for just, you know, seven euros or something. But it's honestly, it, it's a... It's pretty good game. I, I wanted to play it for a long time and uh, I definitely don't regret it. Well, I'm, I don't have to play it because, I mean, that's what I do every day in L.A. So, it's my, <laughs> it's my real life. <laughs> yeah. You know, they, they haven't... Uh... They haven't touched upon, you know, the famous murders of the time. Like there's a Black Dahlia, you know. Oh that... yeah, I heard that that they had the Black Dahlia. Yeah, mm-hmm. they have. They have also the lipstick murders and such, which are a bit less uh, famous. So I, I knew a bit about these uh, murders, you know, before the game. So it was neat to to see it in the game. Like it first comes up, you're just driving, and uh, the guys are talking about it. Then later on, you make homicide. You become a detective there, and mm-hmm. you get to work on the case. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's pretty neat. Honestly, I enjoyed it. And uh, I'm not done with the game yet. I see, I, I'm sick I'm nearing the end, but I'm still, uh, I'm still going through, and it's pretty nice. So, yeah. Hmm. I'm uh, playing Diablo 3. Still? <laughs> yeah. Holy I've got a hard... Crap. I'm playing my, uh, my hardcore barbarian. He's, like, level 26. Yeah. If I if I die, then I will not be playing Diablo three ever again. <laughs> so, Wait, what, what, what level is your hardcore? Twenty six. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah. I want to get him up to sixty, but uh, yeah, I'm playing that, and I'm still playing Phantom Hourglass, so I'm still on the same two games. Mm. I don't have I'm, the time I used to to you know like wrap it up. Yeah, I know. I know how that is. I'm actually I'm kind of bouncing around a couple different things. Uh, I'm really enjoying Binary Domain, which I never thought I would actually like because it's such a generic-looking game. Even the, na- the name itself sounds super generic. 
Yeah. But it's basically it's a third person shooter essentially, but the the the, the premise is interesting. Uh, it's basically it's like what if replicants, you know, it's like it's like, you know, you know replicants from Blade Runner if they were suddenly if they suddenly appeared, if it wasn't like a they developed over time by a company and they were ultimately outlawed, it was as if Suddenly, someone was revealed to be a replicant, and this technology had been around for you know, I'd say, dozens of years, and no one knew it until recently. That's the premise of the game, and so this squad's formed to infiltrate this country that apparently has been making replicants, and the entire country has been changed by the technology. And it's actually really, really interesting story-wise. The dialogue is fantastic for what it is, like for yeah. you know, Gears of War type scenario. You know, the, the dialogues are actually really funny and interesting. Yeah. It's good. It's, it's like it's watching a really good sci-fi action movie, basically. What's it, it what seems to be the, the main attraction of the game is the fact you have to, you know, say, you have to, to gain tr- the trust of your comrades mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, either save their asses or also and so, you know, otherwise that influences the relationship you have with them, right? Otherwise, yeah. they won't, you know, go back to save you if you're in trouble or something, right? Right. There's, there's, there's some of that. It's kind of like a really thin layer facade for what it is. They even have a voice implementation system where they'll ask you questions like, it's literally one of the guy asks me like, hey, you chucking that ass out or something like that? And you have to say <laughs> yes, no, or how dare you say that? And you have to like actually say it into your microphone and he'll respond to you. Or you can, like me, oh. if you don't play with a mic, you have to hold down like tab and like move your mouse around to click it. But yeah, they actually ask you questions and you have to respond. So, but yeah, it's a fun game and way better than I thought it was going to be. Um, Sounds interesting, kind of like good. like a surprise, like I don't know, something like Dead Space, where yeah, where yeah, I guess it looks like it's sort of like this could be a really bad genre game, yeah. and it's like it's actually you know really well done, sort of that sort of thing. Yeah, they have, they also have fun within the genre. You can tell they're kind of like. To me, it's a game, it's a great game. It's not it's not knocking it out of the park, but for for that genre and to be for it to be competent at least is and interesting is is more than enough for me with that genre. So I'm a real sucker when it comes to sci-fi. What else? What else? I've also been playing Super Mario 3D Land again because uh, I still have not beaten all the levels. Uh, oh, nice. Luigi. Where are you? Where are you right now? World four or five with Luigi. Okay, I stopped at uh, World. Uh, Eight, but uh, you know, I didn't have enough stars left to get. I think I'm missing the last two levels, mm. but I was just too lazy to go finish. Uh, you know, to go get the three stars I'm missing to to wow. unlock them. I'm <laughs> like the real completist. Like I've I finished the entire thing and gotten every star and beaten special levels and everything once, and now I'm doing it without like dying. Wow, <laughs> it's like the oh. goal. Like, well, I mean, I still die. I just don't save when I die. <laughs> <laughs> See to me. So I'm gonna have like a perfect file. If I die um, more than three or four times, and it's just trying to say like it's kind of nudge me with the gold leaf, I'm like, yeah, fuck you. I'll just quit the level. You know, I don't want them. No, yeah. That's that's actually why I'm replaying it. Is because on the very last level of the regular world, I like got like a golden leaf because I died a bunch of times. I was messing around, and that like stopped me from getting like five like shining stars or something. Oh, so that's so that's why I'm replaying the whole thing again. It's, it's and just because it's fun. I mean, yeah. <laughs> feather in my cap. But yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I haven't played it in a while though because I've just had Phantom Hourglass planted in there. Oh yeah, and I've also been playing uh, Orcs Must Die too, which just came out in Steam, which is a tower defense game with third person. Mm. Also fun. I, I was, was gonna. 
You guys have any plans to play, uh, what is it, New Super Mario Bros? That you get no. extra no, extra no. coins with Club Nintendo if you download it. I was I was thinking about it. It was for me any Mario game is almost an instant purchase, but the fact yeah. that I've seen so much of it and that I know it's it's pretty much for sure from the same team that made the DS one. I, I'm just not interested. I, I really hated that game. And, and I'm actually on, I'm ahead. like most curious about it just for the sake of just like a basically a retail game for the 3DS that you can download. Mm-hmm. I'm more interested in that technical aspect of it, that it's sort of, you know, it's innovative that way for the system. It's yeah. innovative for the system, but it's like... But it's the, the game itself might, you know, not be, you know, it's Mario, and I never played the other new Super Mario Bros. Oh, well, then you should go ahead and give it a shot, man. Yeah, like, that's what I'm thinking. I might might, as well. You might, like, you might like it. To me, it's just, like, for me, that whole, that whole you know, new Super Mario Bros. games have almost always been, like, trying to relive past glories and falling on their face. Like, it's just not as good. Yeah. Like you said, why? I, I didn't like the emphasis I saw in the trailers of like you know like coin mode where you turn everything into a coin and get coins. It's like I don't care about coins. <laughs> like, coins, from what I understand, I've watched you know probably an hour or two of footage of the game, and there's you know there's a, there's a million coin goal where you know you can compete with people, your friends who get the most coins. There's a worldwide coin total that you know, the internet will com- com- contribute to to see how many I think coins. you just talked me out of it. <laughs> There's, um, you, you replay levels to get more coins uh, towards your total, all this kind of stuff. There are oh my way- god, it's fucking Diablo 3. <laughs> <laughs> There are actually some there's some cool powers associated with it though. Like there's one where there's a golden fireball, like a golden fire it turns flower. everything into a coin, right? You, you, wherever you throw the fire the fire the fireball, the fireball will bounce like through solid objects and turn them all into coins. That's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Apparently yeah. they did some cool stuff with the making of this game. They um they brought in people that don't generally make Mario games, as like not associated with Mario as a genre within Nintendo. To play the game and to give them ideas for what they think level design should be, which to me scares the bejesus out of me. Like, I don't want you to tamper with that formula much. I don't want you to be going too off the wall with the concepts. Otherwise, it's going to seem like a flash in the pan type of thing, you know? Yeah, or maybe, like, I don't want it, like, to be, like, a Mario game with, like, suddenly, like, a level is half a puzzle game, like, sort right. of a thing. That would be weird. But, be- I don't know, that's interesting. At least they're trying to do something innovative there. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And I also think it has a lot to do with them stretching their uh, – <laughs> We're out of ideas. <laughs> not, not just that, trying to figure out like a true successor to Miyamoto and trying to develop a team that can have long legs after Miyamoto leaves. Anyway. Yeah. It reminds me of a picture I need to show you. Okay. But uh, that's for later. Okay. Sounds – Sounds, sounds dirty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a dirty picture. Yeah. <laughs> With coins? Yeah, it's related to Nintendo, so I'll okay. say that much. Cool. Uh, not much, not a lot going on in video game news. It's kind of a dead time right now. Yeah. You know, I've been uh, I've been reading a, a book, uh, the book that goes along with Clang, you know, by uh, Stevenson and other guys called The Mongoliad. I think I posted about it in the forum. Yeah. Well, I really like that book, actually. I mean, it's, uh, it's I don't know what to say, but it's pretty much fan service for people who like, you know, sword fights and such. So it's pretty neat. Hmm. I, liked it. I like it. I think uh, you should give it a shot uh, whenever you've got the opportunity. What, what, what's, uh, what time period does it take place in? 
Uh, it's uh, when the Mon- when the Mongols, uh, you know, conquered uh, most of the world. I mean, most of the old continent, and they were at the doors of Europe. So they conquered Russia, and they were in, East- in Eastern Europe, and they were threatening uh, the Holy Roman Empire and such. So it has so, like, a historical basis because I'm so used to Stevenson being, you know, kind of out there. So. Well, yeah, no, you know, in recent years, he's uh, been doing a lot of uh, stuff that's inspired by uh, real historical events, and uh, this stuff is written by other people. And yeah, it's it's how to say, yeah, it's based on historical stuff. Yeah, but of course, it's fictional, and there's even some. Apparently, some slight supernatural stuff, but it's really, really slight. It's like not even really shown, more like hinted at. But uh, yeah, it's otherwise pretty cool. You know, it's meant to to be a basis for the whole sword fighting uh, stuff. So you've got you you get some pretty good descriptions of uh, sword fights. But uh, other than that, yeah, it's it's pretty much just you know historically, it's a historical you know fiction. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely in the market for a new book. I'm kind of scrambling for stuff right now. So, I, honestly, give it a shot. It's not very long, and uh, I don't think it's very expensive for Kindle. And uh, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I mean, it's, it's not uh, anything that's going to win, you know, awards, but uh, it's it's pretty good. Hmm. I I had a lot of I had a lot of fun reading it. That's all I can say. Like while commuting, you know, I, I had a lot of fun with it. It's it's pretty much just for you know. For nerds who like sword fights, yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, and, and not just even sword fights, just you know, you know quarter staff fights and such, and you know, yeah, it's it's everything. So yeah, it's it's pretty neat. Cool. I will check something like that out eventually. Uh, right now, I'm reading the book I'm reading right now is but it's a, still about Cortez and his journey into Mexico, which is oh. freaking awesome. Really. Yeah, that's not, that's nice too, actually. Yeah. What's the title? It's a uh, some kind of door. Well, well, I guess uh, that's <laughs> that's pretty straightforward. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's uh, really well done. It's a fiction, or it's also historically accurate. I mean, it's it's, uh, it's historically accurate. It's written um, om- omniscient, so it's not like Cortez walked to the door. There was a Mexican. He shot him in the head with his musket. No, it's not like that. It's more. You know, I, I can't remember the, the the term for it, but it's, it's third person omniscient. I guess is the best way okay. to describe it. It's written like a history book, but it's also written in the way that you can appreciate it if you were trying to read a novel. Like it's it, it's like a. So they're like telling you what he's thinking at all times, and sort of, yeah. Um, they're also kind of bringing you through correct sequence of events timeline wise. There's a lot of hype between him and Montezuma, although they haven't actually met yet in my part of the book, but the, the opening preface is like really hypes up their meeting and ultimate destruction that comes after they meet. So really looking forward to how that turns out. Cause I don't know the exact specifics of it. Nice. It's an exciting uh, time period and also really d- depressing to read about how it all happens. The whole culture gets raped basically. Good stuff. Well, Spoilers. Did you say? No, I said, what is that? cool. <laughs> I guess that's it, guys. I don't have a lot more. Yeah, well, you know, I think I, I ought to go and uh, eat some stuff. What are you eating? Always ask. Yeah, I, I have no idea, actually. Uh, yeah, because yeah, I was I... at a family uh, you know, lunch uh, earlier on, and I ate really much and drank a lot as well. So, You still have glue in your hand? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what I'm going to eat, but uh, it will be light. 
Okay. Cool. I'm gonna. I had some Fritos and chocolate milk for breakfast, and uh, <laughs> yeah, my uh, my lunch is gonna get much better though. I'm meeting up some old friends from out of town, and we're gonna have like carne asada, and it's gonna awesome. should be a good time. Hmm. Sounds fun. Frozen pizzas in my future. <laughs> Yeah. The Olympics and frozen pizza. That's actually exactly <laughs> what I plan to do next. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk to you later, guys. Thanks for hanging out with me. Yep. Yeah. See ya. Always. Later.